And you are listening to another edition, the 10th edition of the listenable watch or not. We've done a lot more listenable versions of, I mean, the watchable version of Jet Nation Radio. Um, I always listen to that intro and I say a 50 yard onside kick when I watched the film back on Quincy Noon while actually it was like a 60 yard onside kick. But regardless, Come on, um, Joe. Come people, on. People, people will get on you for this stuff. Um, but yeah, we have a, you know, it's the end of the season. Obviously, we went over the Patriots game last week. We did all of that stuff, so we don't really have to talk about any more um, actual games, going over games. Now we'll do some, you know, free agency stuff and some draft stuff and all that stuff for the next couple of months. Then we'll get into mini camp and training camp and OTAs and preseason again. So we have a, you know, four, five, six-month process of making up topics and discussing everything in probably too much detail until we get into talking about actual X's and O's football. But the good thing about this show is we're going to bring up, be able to bring up X's and O's football uh, during the show. But, Glenn, before we get into everything, what's up, man? Uh, doing good, Joe. Thanks, uh, thanks for, for uh, getting this underway a little bit early tonight. That's pretty helpful for me. And uh, I know with us not being live as we were before, it's not a huge issue for our listeners. So nice that it's not inconvenient to anyone. But doing good, you know, it's uh, – it's going to be a long, long few months. It's, you know, football season feels like it takes uh, takes 10 years to get here and it's over in 10 minutes. So especially when you don't make the damn postseason. So uh, yeah, pl- plenty to talk about. And it's tough, man, is it? Like I'm I, even writing, like I want to dive right into like drafts and mock drafts and it, but it's like you got to rein it in because yeah. I mean, a lot of people are doing it already. Um, but man, it's, it's months of this stuff and really everyone, everyone's draft board and their mocks and everything. Yeah. Yeah. They're fu- it's fun, but, uh, it means nothing. You know, I mean, literally like from now till draft day, you'll see like, if you take whether, you know, even if you just take like the top 10 most respected guys or guys that work for, you know, you know, name publications, you're going to see 30 different players linked to the jets at the sixth pick. You know what I mean? It's. It's just crazy every year, um, and I, I can't believe there's some some out there that, I mean, again, we're not going to get into draft talk, but I see people like mocking like wide receiver at six, and I'm just like, yeah. no, no safety at six, or, or you know, corner Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a good player, but uh, man, if they take another DB at six, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get into all that stuff, and that's like a lot of the yeah. problem I'm having right now is I don't really even like to go on Twitter because I, I I stay off it for the most part um, unless I'm putting something up or something interacts with me. But I see, I, I saw like just today, like I was on there for maybe like 20 minutes, just scrolled up the time or down the timeline or whatever, and I saw like seven, eight mock drafts. I'm like, people asking questions about draft and who do you think the Jets should draft and who are the Jets going to get in free agency, which we'll get into actually a little bit later because we got a question. Um, it's so early to look right now. We don't know who's going to be a franchise tag. We don't know who's going to be signed. We don't know who's even declaring for the draft necessarily. We don't know who's going to fall because of 
pre-draft interviews or drug tests or anything like that. So a lot of people like ask me these questions or, or even I see conversations about, it. I'm just not interested in it anymore. Like my first couple of years as a diehard Jets fan, even up to like maybe the last two years, I've been like really into like mock drafts, like starting February. But now it's like until April, I, don't, I really don't care that much. Um, or at least until after the combine and all that type of stuff. So until the combine, we're not, we're not really going to talk any draft unless it's like, oh, well, you'd rather draft a quarterback or sign Kirk Cousins. That's really about it. Um, but before we get into it, like I said, this show is going to be, we're going to do like a big studs and duds. We're going to do some like an award type of show. Like I said, we have to stretch out a lot of topics because we have multiple weeks of, with nothing to talk about. But, you know, overall MVP, rookie of the year, most surprising player of the year, comeback player of the year, most disappointing player of the year, best player of the year, worst player of the year. We're going to be doing all that type of stuff tonight. Um, so it should be pretty fun, more of a light show. Um, like I said, it's officially the off season for us, so we're going to have to stretch some things out. Uh, Glenn, anything this week that you want people to know about? I started to work on a Quincy Nunwa film review. I put up like 10 or 15 plays. I got another probably 30, 35 to put up of his strengths, his weaknesses, what, how the Jets used him, which they used him in so many ways, H-back and slot and X and Z and a lead blocker and a split zone blocker, like so many different things. But I'm working on that. So what do you have that's uh, coming up or that you already put up? Uh, nothing huge. I guess I've kind of gotten to the habit of breaking down the Tuesday tidbits, especially since we do Wednesday. And this is, a uh, you know, these are just, you know, as I've said before, it, you know, you or I don't have uh, endless hours in our day where we're getting paid to cover this team. So you do what you can. Not every thought I have or everything I find online can be a, a long form article. So just a few things. I mentioned the mock about uh, yeah. the Jets taking Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I, you know, the, the little, the little um, uh, tirade I went on last week with the, uh, the Kirk Cousins thing. I wrote something, you know, something in long form and added a little bit to that. Just another, a look at why, you know, you can't not do everything you can to sign the guy. Austin Safarian Jenkins, you know, is it time to, you know, do you wonder if his production over the last eight games hurts the chances of them re-signing him? Because, you know, his first his first five, six games, maybe not quite that much, four or five games, he was one of the more productive tight ends in the league in terms of receptions. And then over the last eight games, he averaged three catches a game and didn't score a touchdown. So is he – and I know the quarterback play dropped off with Bryce Petty, but even still, um, you know, you look at that type of production over an eight-game stretch – is he even worth the six million we were discussing a few weeks ago when uh when it seemed he was? Um, talked about maybe moving um taking a look at moving Justin Burris. He really struggled at corner this year. I know when he you know when he went to NC State, he he played a little bit of safety there. And the Jets, you know, obviously set at safety with May and Adams. <clears throat> Do you consider moving Burris over there for a little bit of depth? Um, not the best tackler, but really in terms of doesn't have great corner, you know, great cover skills for a corner, but probably plus cover guy for a safety. Yeah. Um, talked about Jamal Adams, you know, his late season surge kind of bumped his, his, his PFF rating. He was up, uh, he was over 82 by the end of the year. And David Bass, uh, kind of, I hope we see that guy back next year. He only, uh, he only played 326 snaps, you know, part-time guy, ended up with three and a half sacks and uh, Played well against the run as well. He was just—he's one of those guys. Like you look at him, and you're like, he's just a guy that did everything well. Like wasn't dominant in any area, but he was a nice role player. And I hope they bring him back next year. Yeah, I, I agree that he would be a—you know—not a big time role player, but a solid role player. All since Safarian Jenkins, we discussed that. I know he said on social media he wanted over six million dollars, but if he's inching into that seven eight million dollars, I'm not sure what the Jets are going to do because he's yeah. just. 
he's an average tight end to me. Um, Burris, I guess I'd rather have him, you know, deep middle of the field over Rontez Miles. But honestly, I'm hoping that next year Doug Middleton comes back and he's that that third string type of safety. Right. So, right. Uh, but you know, just articles for now. But Glenn, um, <clears throat> in terms of reviews, I think we got two ratings this week. We got a five star and then a one star rating. So that person, I guess, just doesn't what did you like do, us. Joe? What I don't. Do? I probably pissed somebody off. Maybe your Kirk Cousins rant. Maybe it's a another Jets podcaster or something like that who just doesn't like us. You never know what it is. But yeah, one star. I guess it's deserved because Glenn is a is a douche. When um, when was that? I I actually I don't look at the reviews often, but I don't know. Since you've been talking about them a little bit lately, I looked at them earlier. I didn't see a one star, but. Yeah, I, I I think it was. I'm not like I said, I'm not 100 sure, but there's like a tick. It's like it's like five star, four star, three star, one star. And I saw the one star move up a little bit more, so I'm assuming we got another one star. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, I think you're wrong. The most recent one I saw was was the five that you talked about last week. Oh yeah, but Glenn, I'm saying people don't leave review. They can they can leave ratings and not reviews, so they can just leave a, a one star rating and not leave a review, so it wouldn't pop up there. When did you check? I don't know. Three days ago. Okay. Um, I was going to say, I hope it wasn't me a little while ago. I was just screwing around. I, I, don't, I don't know how anything. I was scrolling over the stars. I hope I didn't give us one star. Breaking Jet Nation news. Own JetNation.com writer and podcast affiliate gives one star rating to own podcast. This show uh, sucks. We really need to improve in some key areas. Um, but yeah, so go to YouTube, subscribe to us. We got a couple of more subscribers this week. We appreciate it. Like I said, not too many people or not as many people or even close as many people watch on YouTube. And some could even said it on the uh, reviews this week. Cause we said, he said it's a lot easier to listen to in the gym or when you're driving than actually sit down and watch on um, the entire podcast on YouTube. Or if you want to do something else on your phone, you know, play angry birds, whatever people do on their phones nowadays, um, you have to click off YouTube and it stops playing. So I understand, I completely understand it but for those, um, you know, plus hundred people or whoever watch it on YouTube. We, we appreciate it. Um, we do it for you type of people. And because me and Glenn like breaking down film and stuff like that. So it's fun for us anyway. Um, leave us a review and a rating, please. Hopefully five stars. Hopefully you'd leave us a good review as well. Like I said, it helps us out a lot more than you know. Um, but before we get into the actual show, I just got to read our sponsor, uh, Odd Shark. Odd Shark is your one-stop shop for the latest betting resources, information, and odds you can trust. Get expert sports coverage and detailed matchup predictions straight from Odd Shark's supercomputer. Looking for statistics and trends on an upcoming game? Odd Shark has that too. And best of all, it's free. The experts at Odd Shark provide in-depth analysis for each game, packed with stats, numbers, and trends that will help you make sharp picks on game day before the next Jets game in September or August. Head on over to www.oddshark.com. That's O-D-D-S-S-H-A-R-K.com and start playing like a shark today. I'm hoping you're not going on there to look up games in August and September, hopefully for playoff games. I don't think people are looking that far into the future. Um, I'm trying to play some bet on some preseason games right now, Joe. Yeah. But I don't um, have a problem. I don't have a problem. Yeah. If you, um, if you want to call in, I'm not even going to say the number because I don't have it up right now. But, you know, on, on Twitter, we have a lot to do tonight. So, if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. Um, McGlenn, let's start off with the offensive side, side, of the, uh, side of the ball with the studs and duds segment. Uh, do you want to start off with the duds or the studs? Let's start off with the duds, Joe. Let's get, let's get the duds out of the way on offense. That's going to be painful. Okay. Um, yeah, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was one of those, one of those years. So uh, for me, I mean, really it's a uh, pretty, pretty easy pickings in this group. Honestly, uh, Brian Winters is my number one or my number three rather. Okay. Um, 
You, you know what? I, I shouldn't even give it to Winters, knowing what we know now about the abdomen. That's really – that should be Todd Bowles. Let's give that to Todd Bowles for not benching Brian Winters when they knew he tore his abdomen. Um, but I guess he can't be an offensive dud. So, um, let's see, that, that's the only thing I'm going to have to change because I had Winters, but that's not fair to him. Let's so you want, go me with, go, uh, want me to go first on that one? Yeah, you go first. Give me one second to uh, to make yeah. that change. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna roast Brian Winters for tearing his abdomen. Yeah, I was gonna put Winters in because he was a disappointment this year. But and I think you can't blame all of it on the abdomen. So you can't put like 50% blame on Wesley Johnson, 50% blame on the abdomen. Like there were some times where he was just not reading his keys right, etc., or being in the wrong place. But torn abdomen is hard to play offensive lineman when you're pushing yeah. around. You know, 300 plus pounders or 280 pound guys who are really athletic and keeping up with them. So, um, my number three is is going to go to Bryce Petty actually on the offense, and he could have been like, yeah, he's the worst player on the offense probably, um, but just in terms of you know realistic, I'm going to put him as as my number three. Uh, four games played, three games started, 49 completion percentage, uh, 544 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, Glenn, and uh, there's not really even much I have to. I have to put up, but um, and I don't want to bring up too too many plays. Which there's like my literally my desktop right now is just scattered with plays. But we're not going to break it down, break it down because we've already we've already done this. But like you see the bad footwork here, um, we're just consistently just not on his plant foot well. He's not aiming it directly at where he's throwing the ball. He doesn't drive through his back leg. His elbow. Yeah, look, not, at look at look at his hips there. He's just, he's stiff. He's just like so stiff, like, and his arms like, out a little bit wide too, like, like that. Like his right leg is is stuck to the ground. Yeah, that well, one one his his front shoulder is a little bit high, and you want your a lot of your you know your torque obviously comes from your legs and your hips, but an underrated part of it, a thrower is their lead elbow too. You're on your elbow tucked tight into your basically into your um your kind of your chest and waist area, um, just like aerodynamics and biomechanics and that type of stuff. And his arm is way out far, um, and he just doesn't. Look at Joe. We're gonna. Breaking down the biomechanics, biomechanicnation.com. That's what's coming up next. Hey. That's awesome. I think, that's, I think it's the first time we've heard had that word on this show. Good job, yeah. Joe. Well, it's, it's aerodynamics. If your elbow is out like this, you want your elbow nice and nice and tight in the front and you throw and you want your elbow tight. But, um, yeah, so that, that was bad. And I'll bring up some other plays if you talk about Petty too, but I'm not going to break break down the, uh, the plays here from Petty. So. Yeah, you know, uh, one guy – we talked about this year. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to do this, or do you want me to do my three? Oh no, you can do you can do your your one. We were, uh, like I said, uh, we've uh, already we've already uh, talked about this. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna do my three because uh, I don't like to pick on him because he's a rookie. But uh, something I saw today, a blurb from Rich Samini, um, our Darius Stewart. He said uh, one of the reasons we didn't get to see him as much as we liked is that he just wasn't getting the playbook. He wasn't kind of coming along as much as they'd hoped he would. And for a guy that was taken where he was in the draft and who looked as good as he did in the preseason. Um, you know, you can't you, you can knock Todd Bowles for not giving some young guys a shot when you feel like they deserve it or when you just want to see them. But look, he got passed on the depth chart by Chad Hansen, another rookie. So it's not like he bumped over and over him. So uh, you know, I thought about him, but he didn't really play and he didn't really have enough reps. Um oh you mean Jojo Natson passing him. Yeah, so uh, I'm saying like Jojo yeah, no, I'm saying like Jojo Natson passing him. Like you'd think if anything, yeah. maybe you wouldn't see him on you and know so, deep posts or comebacks, but you think jet sweeps and end arounds you'd see our Darius yeah. Stewart. So. And it, it's, it's not that I don't like our Darius Stewart, and it's not that I don't think he's going to be a good player, and I don't think there's an issue with effort. But I really feel like the position he was in, the fact that he didn't do enough to get on the field more, um, again, generally, a, you know, and, and this, this is, 
you know, the caveat to this is, uh, you know, if Rich Samini got it right. Um, if Samini's right in saying that he wasn't, you know, that he was struggling with the playbook and he wasn't doing enough in practice to, to, to get on the field, that's a, a disappointing thing for a third-round pick. And, again, I, Especially I'm from Bama, which runs a pro-style offense too, you know? Yeah, big-time school. He's been in big-time games, you know. It's not uh, – this isn't a young guy who you think would be overwhelmed by, um, you know, having his doors blown off by big time competition. Yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I would say uh, I'll, I'll go with Stewart, but it's it's by no means am I saying he's not going to be a good player. I think he will be a good player. But uh, hearing that he wasn't doing enough and it, yeah. it wasn't just Todd Bowles being stubborn, but it was actually the fact that he wasn't doing enough to get on the field. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to give him the number three because I think a lot of folks, after what we saw in the preseason from him, we kind of had some hopes that he would do a lot more than what he did. Well, yeah, we talked about that multiple times. We were saying, you know, people can say, okay, we want to see this guy in the field, but if he looks like shit in practice, he looks like shit in practice. You're not going to just throw him out and feel like they can understand, you know, how – and I understand there's some cases where a player looks bad in practice and they, they play well, but for a rookie, if you're not practicing well, you're not understanding the playbook, they're just going to send you out there, then you're going to be in the wrong spot. The quarterback's going to throw the ball in the wrong place and get intercepted. Like, you can't just throw people out. It's the NFL. The coaches know what they're seeing in practice for the most part, and – Another petty throw. I don't think you're on for this show, but just, you never drive. You never ever. A lot of, like I said, a lot of the the power from throws comes through your hips and rotating your hips and stepping through. He never steps through his throw. Yeah, he he never drives. He just misses. Hips. But okay. Um. Yeah. Go. Uh, go with your number two, Glenn. Uh, number two. <clears throat> I'm gonna go with Carpenter, James Carpenter at left guard. Huge disappointment this year. One of the better players on the really on the whole team um, each of the last couple seasons, and then this year it was just a complete disaster. I don't, you know, I wish I don't know if outsiders breaks it down. I'd love to know um, in terms of you know between zone blocking and, and man, you know, how much of that compared to the last two years with a new offensive coordinator. What, where was the difference there? Because we know we know Carpenter struggled in Seattle, and Carpenter acknowledged that, and he said that he struggled because it was a lot of zone blocking, which he didn't excel at, and he preferred man. And uh, the Jets yeah. did more of that under Chan Gailey. So I don't know if that was an issue, but uh, if it is, really, that's uh, – regardless of the reason, he was not very good this year. Huge disappointment. And a guy that, uh, you know, he uh, – I think he's back next year. You know, we talked a little bit last week about his cap number and the savings and blah, 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 blah. But this team is going to have a ton of cap space. There's no harm in bringing him back and letting him try to regain his, you know, his form from the last two years. Yeah, well, he's he's actually my number um, one uh, dud of the of the offense. Played you know thousand three uh, thousand thirty six snaps, which is one hundred percent. And uh, like I said, I did this relative to expectation, but he was my number one. And um, I would definitely, no doubt about it, I would say the Jets played probably seventy five percent zone, twenty five percent man. There's no team who runs strictly just zone and just man. That never right. ever ever happened. Right. So, but I would say the Jets were definitely more of a, of a zone blocking team. There That's what some, I mean in terms of you know the last two years, comparatively. I'd, I'd like to see what they did, but uh, yeah, yeah, there was definitely some. Yeah, there was some. There was some man. There was some some counters and some powers and some. But he just he just struggled. Stuff. He just struggled constantly. Constantly, even this like okay, let's take out the zone. Let's take out the scheme, you know. And this is just another inside zone. But regardless, inside zone, if you can't just blame this on inside zone. This isn't mental. This isn't anything. But he can't hold a block on a linebacker. Yeah, like like. 
and he's got he's got 50, I, 60 pounds on the guy and the difference like between a lot of man and zone zone is you're going to kind of cut off angles and not really drive people you're not going to try to drive them to the ground but you still can where man is more drive them because that's your guy just take him out of the play but still you want to he has inside leverage he should be able to hold inside leverage on a linebacker when it's an inside zone so he just played really really terribly you can't blame this anything on scheme that's him yeah um just just completely missing a not missing a block but he can't hold the block and he has like like you said 50 60 pounds on a dude so um like i said relative expectations people are saying this guy's a pro bowler this guy's that this guy's this um he's my number one it's by far now glenn i'll go to my number two which is wesley johnson and the reason i put carpenter like i said is because of the expectations where they had a lot of expectations compared to wesley johnson and wesley johnson was the worst center in the league this year who i think you know who was a starter at least i don't know backups who came in played terribly but we saw this a lot it's just another zone run no awareness to 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 get to the linebacker who shoots the backside a gap and tackles uh powell or mcguire whoever this is on this play i think it's powell and we went over this last week but just ridiculously bad with his with his awareness fun to see your number two yeah, no, he's my number one. Carpenter's two. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so John's my number one. It's just uh, – and, you know, like I said, I, I, I've said it a few times this year. You know, I don't uh, – it's never – it's never. Uh, I don't really enjoy calling out guys who you can see that, you know, the, the effort and the, the passion is there. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And he just wasn't a good player this year. I'm not even sure that he's good enough to be a, a backup. I mean, he might be, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I mean, really look across the league and he's absolutely good enough to be a backup. There are some atrocious offensive lines. Um, at least he's got a little bit of versatility, but he was just bad this year. He was, he was embarrassingly bad and uh, he's, he's getting replaced. I don't, I, as I said, I hope it's through free agency. Maybe it's the draft. We'll see, but he was my number one. Yeah. This, this play again, just combo block with winters and he just no awareness of the linebacker shooting the gap and powell is like this is oh well the jets running back did not have a good oh year oh my god i can't did you see that i i i i i copied you in on or i i tagged you in that that uh that article the other day jets jets running attack has disappointing and and i i commented on it and then i deleted my comment and said i'm not going to be that that person who just comments on the headline let me read the article Maybe within the article, it calls out the O line. It was nothing. Just, just talk about how disappointing the running backs were. And yeah, like, it, it drives me nuts because I'm like, you're talking about somebody getting paid to do this, and they're just they're, they're no mention, no mention of the fact that there's no room to run. Just I'm just going to do an article. I'm going to look at the stats, and then I'm going to do an article saying the running backs were disappointing. And it's like the running backs. Well, uh, Matt Forte was. I don't care what anybody says. He was way better than anybody thought he would be this year. I agree. If you gave him a little bit of room, he yep. was fine. He was. Yep. He wasn't great. He wasn't great. But yep. everybody and people, because people will stick to the narrative. I still hear people say he was terrible this year. He looked slow. No, he didn't. He looked good. I would. I would. Great, but he yeah, looked good. Glenn, I couldn't agree with you more because I see people like and, and educated people who I see say that, which I see a lot of educated people nowadays say stupid stuff like James Carpenter is a really good guard, or he was a really good guard this year, which is just crazy. Um, but it's. Um, in terms of like the yeah the running backs Forte I was trashing him at the end of last year, uh, then really really got into the film like got into the film this year and he's a lot better than people think he is. I think uh, last year I remember last year because I was at that game in Miami, and I don't know maybe that was his best game of the year, but I saw him in that game and I thought this guy has maybe it's not there you know we always talk about consistency, maybe not consistently but I, I was like this guy's got more in the tank than even than you know at the time like more than I'm saying more than a lot of people are saying. 
Um, again, he's not a great back. He's not, but he, he's a veteran guy. And if there's a, if you if you open up a hole for him, he's gonna see it. He's gonna get there and pick up some yards. Yeah. So you know, he's not the player he once was, but None. I don't. I, I I probably, you know, when I see fans ripping guys and giving them like zero credit when some credit is deserved. Um, I'm definitely guilty of like overcorrecting, like whether it's coaches, Rex Ryan, you know what I mean? Rex, like he got to a point where he needed to go, but I, you know, I dug in and like the defending Rex camp because the number of people I saw that were literally like Rex Ryan doesn't know anything about football. I'm like, come on, man. like, really? This is, this is what, like, if you want to say he's failed as a head coach, that's fine. But you're going to say the guy doesn't know anything about football. Like now you're being an idiot. Um, and, you know, same thing with, with uh, McCagnan to a degree. When I hear people say he, his drafts are just as bad as Itzik. Like, his first draft, like, he, even though Deion Simon was on the practice squad, Deion Simon's better than, like, 16 of the guys John Itzik drafted, and he was a seventh rounder. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they're not even in the same, you know, uh, stratosphere. So, yeah, stuff like this, when I, when I hear guys getting ripped to the point where People give them like so. Same thing with Forte. I felt like he was okay. I didn't think he was great. Oh, he's but average. The, but then, yeah. But the number of people I saw that were saying he's done, he's washed up, he's slow, he's not, he shouldn't even be in the league. And I'm like, what are you? What are you watching? What is like, like like this play, Glenn? Like this is another inside zone, and Wesley Johnson loses the play side gap. Um, the, the the play side gaps are all getting filled up, and this is a no gain loss of yards, and he cuts it back, and he picks up you know, seven, almost actually like 10 yards, actually a little bit more than 10 yards. I, I, I thought, I, I thought that was a nine yarder, but either way to, to the point is that he could still do something. Oh yeah. Okay. Nine and, yards. Yeah. And you know, and I'm guessing I could be wrong, but I thought that was a nine yard run, but you know, look, and next year could be the year that he does fall off the cliff. And next year he looks like he doesn't belong in the league wherever he ends up, but give credit where it's due. The guy looked fine this year. He wasn't great, but he was a hell of a lot better than, you know, than you would believe if you followed a, the comments on Twitter from uh, from Jets fans. Yeah, um, but yeah, he he played well. I'm not saying I don't want people saying, oh, well, they think he's a really good running back. I think he's average, and and he was never a player in even in his prime. Like, yeah, he was he was pretty he was physical and he was a good player, but he was never a guy like a Jamal Lewis who's going to truck you over or a Jamal Charles who's going to juke you. He was more of a smart player with some um, good you know physical capabilities, but. Yeah, he'll still find a hole. He'll still bounce through a hole. He can he can cut to the backside, you know, B gap, whatever it may be on a on a run and, and do it pretty well. And he even now, like out of the backfield, in terms of finding soft spots and zones and stuff like that, he's still really smart in that aspect. Where we saw him a couple of times on some, you know, relatively decent sized gains um, in terms of running back in the pass game, where he would split out wide under a clear out route, whatever it may be. And he would find the soft spot. So he was, he was okay. Um, and just like Blau Powell, and we'll go over the running backs in a little bit, but people blame it way too much on them where the play I had up before of Powell, where's Powell supposed to go, where if it was blocked, well, he had a wide open lane, but Wesley Johnson just has absolutely no awareness. Carpenter was terrible. Winters was bad. He had torn up Dominum, but I still think he's just an average player. Um, Kelvin Beecham for all the praise he gets is still a below average pass blocker and Shell's not a good pass blocker at all. So the, the running backs had nowhere to go. So for anybody who's paid, Glenn, I don't know who pass, blo- pass blocker or run blocker. Uh, no, I said Shell's not a good run blocker. Yeah, you you said pass, but I think I thought you meant run. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, Shell Shell can pass block. He's he's decent at pass blocking. Run blocking, he's pretty bad. He just doesn't have a lot of power. Um, but yeah, for whoever wrote that article, I don't know who it is. You, you haven't told me, but if they're paid, and I, I I forget who it was. I just know it was a. Uh, 
Um, like turn, on, a, turn on two minutes of film. That's all you got to do. Two minutes. It, it, it was a paper. It was a newspaper uh, Twitter feed. Yeah. And I saw, and like I said, because I, I, I've done, I'm, I'm, I'm a schlub blogger. Like I don't, I don't have any illusions about my, my, my place in the world. Like I'm a fan who likes to throw up articles on the site for people to look at. And if people agree, that's great. If they don't, that's fine too. But um, when I see people that get paid to do it and, uh, or, you know, I was going to say is, you know, the number of times I write an article and I'll, you know, you write it and you know, as you're writing it, well, here are some of the things people are going to counter with. So I'll address that within the article. Um, and then they look at the headline and they're like, no, no, no. Like they go on a rant about the thing that you address within the article. So, you know, they didn't read it. And I didn't want to be that guy. I saw the headline, poor rushing attack. And I said, no, it wasn't the running backs. It was on the O line. And then I deleted the comment and went back and read the article. And I was like, wow, this dude legitimately got paid to say that the running backs weren't good this year. Like that's, that's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. It's um, just a lack of knowledge. And just, even if you are, if you are watching a film, you follow the running backs, like tell me what holes they were supposed to pick on the, up on the place, uh, play side gap. Like, like where are they supposed to go? Um, so that's, yeah, it's just a lack of knowledge, lack of watching film, laziness, um, embarrassing, honestly, at this point, but it is what it is. So let's go to the studs um, duds. We both had Wesley Johnson and Carpenter. You had, or Darius Stewart, I had Petty in there just because I think Petty just blew his shot. 49 completion percentage. And we're not talking about 49 completion percentage on deep posts and, and digs no. and outs. He, oh, it was total. It was, it was on slants <laughs> and on hitches and on flat routes and on dump offs. Like he was just beyond inaccurate. I pull up a couple plays if you're watching on YouTube, like while we were talking, probably like three or four plays of him just missing guys, bad decisions. So it's not, it's his footwork is god awful. Uh, but. And we, we went over that many, many times where I broke it down almost step-by-step step and why it's bad. So I'm not going to do that again now because we have a lot of things to get to. But like I said, let's get the studs, Glenn, for the offense. So give me your number three stud of the offense. Number three stud on the offense. I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the man who the team voted as their MVP and Josh McCown. Josh McCown had a nice year for himself. He, uh, I mean, if you want to take into consideration – production and health probably his best season uh you know he had some seasons where he played eight nine games and he had a better you know td to int ratio and stuff like that but just in sheer terms of staying healthy and producing probably his best year ever and he um like i said it, it was funny um a lot of people when he was acquired they just they went off he's he's fits 2.0 which he is not he's better than fits um but uh uh, you know, I I I went on on the uh, the the forums on Jet Nation, and I I didn't even I didn't say anything for or against Josh McCown. I literally just said, I uh, whichever year it was, he had a, a, a good statistical year, twenty fourteen or fifteen, whatever it was, and I just said Josh McCown twenty fourteen, and I posted his stats, and I said nothing else. I didn't say good, I didn't say bad, I didn't say I'm glad, I didn't say he sucked. And like and like people were jumping all over me. Oh, I can't. Oh, oh no! The, you you fell for Fitz, and now you're falling for this guy. And it's like, like Jets fans were rooting against this guy from day one. He was getting booed at the scrimmage, and I'm like, I I didn't say anything good or bad. I I just showed you his stats, and because because those stats were good, and you don't like him, you're mad at me. Like yeah. you you want to kill the messenger. So I was hoping he'd uh, have a nice year for them. He did. I'm happy for him, and I hope he's the backup next year. 
Or yeah, or even like the quarterbacks coach. He's a he's a good yeah, guy, and, and there's a big difference in the locker room with him and Fitz, where Fitz didn't give a shit about Petty or Hackenberg. Where he was asked that question, he said, "I don't really care about them." Where where McCown is coaching them up on the sidelines as the first one out to to congratulate them after a good throw, or Petty after a good throw. The f- the few and far between that there were. Um, so he's he's a really he's he's a good guy, and we saw this play like a lot, like where he's scrambling for first down. This was on third and ten, uh, scrambled for twelve yards. There's another play too, Glenn, where. Uh, I, I, I had it on my Twitter. I didn't have it up because I started putting the film like I, where I figured I had to put it on my computer uh, probably like middle of the season. But the play against the Falcons where he scrambles left out of the pocket and there's a corner looking at him and he pump fakes the corner. The corner reacts to the uh, the uh, wide receiver behind him and then McCown scrambles in for a touchdown. Like smart plays by him to move a safety so he can run um, with a pump fake. So like just he, he was a he's a smart player and you know, the, the, the stats, when you look at the stats, Glenn, uh, 13 games played, 67 completion percentage, 2,926 yards, 18 touchdowns, nine picks, five rushing touchdowns, but then he had five uh, fumbles lost as well, which is we can blame a part of it on the offensive line. There was definitely times this year where he held onto the ball way too long, but then there was other times yeah. where he just had absolutely no shot because of a busted um, pass production or a pass um, blocking scheme, whatever. Uh, I probably could have worded that better, but. Yeah, so so he, he he played relatively well, and if he had a good offensive line, if he had a true X receiver, which I don't think the Jets still have, even after watching that Quincy and Numa film, I don't think he's a true X. I don't think Anderson's a true X. I don't think Curse is a true X. Um, but if he had that and a better offensive line, you know, he, he could have had a better year. I'm, I'm not going to say I want him the back, back starting next year, which I absolutely do not. If, they walk, if, if he walks into the season next year as a starter, the entire Jets organization should fire themselves. Um, but he played, he played well especially better than we thought and I have audio of I think both me and you Glenn saying that he's better than um, Fitzpatrick before we signed Fitzpatrick back back the second time or maybe after the second time but I know I've said that before on the show where I like McCown more than Fitzpatrick uh, maybe we went to try and get Fitz 12 million dollars and we watched the film and saw how lucky a lot a lot of that was but um, yeah McCown is my is my number uh, three as well Glenn and this is another just a savvy savvy veteran play we remember this play against the the um the Panthers where he obviously is rolling out to the right where he's under pressure and he motions Anderson to run vertically and he throws a touchdown to Anderson. It looks really easy, but Josh McCown directed him to go that way. It's just a smart veteran play for him to point out Anderson when he has time and get rid of the ball. So definitely better arm than Fitz too. So. Yeah. And that, and that, you know, that was the main part of it. You know, I, I feel like both of them are more mobile than people give him credit for. I feel like, uh, I feel like both of them are, uh, you know, they're, they're different players. They some things were there were some similarities, but the biggest difference is that you know Fitz just didn't. You know, nobody's saying that uh, that Josh McCown is you know has Brett Favre's arm, but it was a lot better than Fitz. You know, Fitz was had a obviously a good enough arm to hang around in the NFL, but McCown could squeeze more throws into tight windows and and hit on deep balls like that. So, yeah, definitely the better. I I think I, I know I, I I named him as a guy that the Jets you know. Could they look at him if they decided to move on from Fitz when they were in the middle of negotiations? But um, you know, the thing with him has always been health; like he always yeah. gets hurt. So, but uh, but yeah, I got you on that one. I'm shocked his foot was not ruled out there, even though I guess they couldn't technically see it. That, like, that's the thing; it looks like it would have been, but there was. They said that was the only angle, and when I saw that angle, I thought, "Oh, if there's another angle on that, he's out of bounds." But they did you see? Did you see the national championship game? Glenn, did you watch it, the whole thing, or no? I, I did not. I was uh, that that game kicked off at about one a.m. my time, but 
I, I got the I paid for the access to the, the tournament on ESPN, so I think I can go back and watch it, which I'm planning on doing. There was a play. I forget what team. I think I think it was Georgia. Maybe it was Alabama. I, for, I forget who who it was. That was a. It was, a it, was def, it was definitely one of those two. Yeah, uh, probably. Um, <laughs> but the receiver stepped out. Like I'm pretty sure he stepped out. He got mm. ruled for a touchdown. But he. I saw. I did see the next day. Um, on Twitter, someone had a, a, a screenshot of his foot. His there was no green between his foot. No, and, no, and it looked out. like he stepped down. Like, he was, like, going – like, the wide receiver – or the cornerback, like, fell down. And his, like, leg kind of, like, got hit by the receiver. He stepped back down in bound, or out of bounds, but they didn't rule it like that. I don't, it, was, it was a good game, though. I can't believe that kicker for Alabama. He's, like, 14 for 14 before the um, college football playoffs inside the 40 and then missed two in a row in two games. Or he missed two that game, and then he missed a, um, he missed a kick against Clemson as well. So – but – yeah, it was a good game, even though just freaking Nick Saban, man. Nick Saban is yeah, but the safety at the end, they they sack him. They started the twenty five. He sacked him for like seven yards, seven ten, whatever yardage. So he's like back. It was like second and twenty, and then the freaking they were in cover two, and the safety bites in the middle, and the, the the outside receiver just runs a nine route and just touchdown, just easy touchdown. I was like, what are you like? Your cover two safety. That's your only responsibility. Hey, is hey, like I, listen. Those are some high stress situations. People don't always do exactly what they're supposed to do. No, I know, but you're covered to safety. That's your only job, Glenn. It's your yeah. only job. I don't like Alabama. I wanted Alabama to lose. Screw Bama. They're the Patriots of. He had they have five titles in nine years. It's like the Patriots of our of the NFL or the college who football. Who cares? It's college. I, I like college for the prospects. I don't care who wins. It's funny, and and we'll get into the other stuff. And like I said, Joshua Kansman number three um, does as well. My girlfriend was saying, yeah, I like college better. But the thing about, like, college, I mean, I, I like the excitement. I like the bands and in between the timeouts and all that stuff. But the thing about college is, like, you see missed field goals all the time. You see drop passes. You see terrible play where the NFL is – You see wide-open receivers. Like, it's, the it's, first busted – like, yeah. busted coverages on a level that you only it's, see three or four times in the NFL. It's you the best of the times in a college game. Exactly. It, every college game where you see a whole bunch of running, like, like uh, Georgia Tech is, like, just run, 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 run. So, it's like – College is good, the environment, but it's there's so like one percent, two percent of those players make it in the NFL. Where NFL is the best of the best of the best. So I'd rather that's watch the, like best it, man. the best. That's why. That's why I've never been into. When I see people that watch high school football, I'm like, it's okay if you play it or if your son is in the game. Yeah. But when you're like, that's crazy, man. I can't. I can't sit down and watch. 16. Oh yeah. Play no, 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 no. Like, but if, like, let's say if, if it was like a half an hour for me, it's like the state championship game. My friends right, like, oh, right. want to go I mean. grab a beer and watch them. But, but I'm, but I'm talking about people that are like, they know the prospects that, like, are no, gonna, that are gonna. Where He's a live? three and a half star recruit. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh my god, man. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. but I like that because sometimes I wonder if I'm too crazy with the football, and then I see people that can tell me which. I wonder if I'm too crazy with football. whatever high school, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm way less crazy than that person. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this uh this school in Southern Arkansas runs a wishbone offense. It's like uh, okay, yeah. He would have been better than an option. It's like, uh, um. But all right, so let's move on. We both had McCown as our as a number three um stud of the offense, and you know, kill us if you want. But there wasn't a lot of uh, pickings for the offense this year because the offensive line was terrible, and uh, you know, it is what it is. But when who was your number two? Oh, my number two. <clears throat> I had to go with uh, with Jermaine Curse. He, you know, the the number two receiver opposite Robbie Anderson, uh, established a career high with 65 receptions, established a career high with 810 yards receiving, tied his career high with five touchdowns, uh, consummate professional, you know, showed good hands, did everything well. 
and really was a even for us, Joe. You know, we talked about people who we were bashing all the people that said he was a throw-in, but I don't think any of us expected this type of production. I thought, you know, if they're lucky, they'll get a six or seven hundred yard season out of him. Eight hundred ten yards, five touchdowns. That uh, hopefully, 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 you know, with our fingers crossed, uh, next season we get some better QB play, and with better QB play, and maybe a more, uh, you know, a more consistent tight end, open things up for him a little bit, and maybe he, uh, you know, comes back next year and has a similar type season for a, you know, on a more successful team. But he he had a really nice year. I like him a lot, and uh, I would have no problem right now if the Jets tack two or three years on his contract. Yeah, $5 million next year, reliable, you know, number two or three guy. He's more of like a Z receiver, more of the dirty work. We'll block, you know, a crack block, a linebacker, do whatever you have to do, short yarded situations, um, can run emotional a lot. Now, where does he fit in with Quincy Nunwa coming back? It's kind of the same thing where Quincy Nunwa is more, he's like an H back where he'll, he'll be the split blocker on an inside zone or a lead blocker or the biggest thing was, no, the biggest thing with Quincy Nunwa right now, I know we've talked about him and I'm sure I mentioned it before. Yeah. The injury. Yeah. We have no idea. This isn't, this isn't a torn ligament or a broken ankle or this is a, you know, a broken bone in it. What was his neck, his back, whatever it was. His this neck. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You just made me think of that. Wasn't that a ludicrous song? I don't know. People aren't going to get, I don't know if you know that. You're a little bit old, but uh, those younger folks out there, my neck, my back, I'm not going to keep saying the rest of it because it's terrible. Oh, no. But that, well, <laughs> is, is that, is that a, a, a it's a dirty homage. song. But is, is that an homage to Friday when, when, uh, when he's like, when he's on the floor, he's like, oh, my neck, my back, my neck and my back. No, no, it's completely different. Friday. Have you not seen Friday? I don't know. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. I don't anyway, think so. Any, anyway, but uh, yeah, listen, with a neck injury like that, man, um, I would love to think he's going to come back at 100%, but there's no way of knowing that right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So we'll see. And the, the big part of his game is being physical. Like I said, I'm putting up uh, plays of him, but like him cutting defensive ends and knocking them on their ass or like the one block against the – Buffalo Bills where uh, Fitzpatrick is rolling outside of the pocket and he, and he just blindside blocks Lorenzo Alexander right on his ass. Uh, so he, he, was, he was really impressive. Let me actually try to see if I can bring that, that play up of a noon wall. So that's the question. Is he going to be able to um, do these type of things, which I'm not sure if he will be able to actually – here, let me just give me a second here, folks. Um, Oh, this this play, like these are the questions. Can he do this type of stuff? And this isn't like this isn't a they didn't design him to do this. But like I said, he'll be the split blocker. Will where the the Jets will run to the right on an inside zone. He'll be he'll be here and split to the backside and and, and seal out this um, backside linebacker defensive end or be the lead blocker or a crack block on a linebacker. All this stuff. But curse is a Z. Uh, Anderson or not Anderson. Nunwa can play everywhere. He can play Z, he can play X, he can play slot, he can play H-back, he can play in the backfield, um, jet sweeps, uh, end around. So it's not like you're not going to be able to find a place for a, a Nunwa, but I put this play up the other day. I, like I said, I still have to do like 30, 35 plays. But you see him right there, just cracks Lorenzo Alexander. So is he going to be able to do this stuff after uh, he comes back from his injury? I am not too sure, but that was just ridiculous. So Okay, but moving on, we're not talking about Quincy Newell yet. Maybe next week after I do more of the uh, film breakdown, I'll I'll get more into into him. But I actually had someone say to me the other day, you know, should the Jets give him an extension right now? 
And I was like, they, yeah. they don't know if he can still play football. Yeah. It's, like, that's, let's, let's let him go out there and stay healthy for a season and go from there. Yeah, um, I, yeah I, I agree with that, Glenn. It's just you don't know if he's going to be, be able to that physical player. And he's not, like, polished. Like, his routes, his separation on his routes and, and that stuff, like I said, which I'll go over in the film review. I'm not going to break it all down now, maybe next week. But he, he's not a polished wide receiver. He's just a physical freak in nature. Um, in many aspects of his game. So that's his best advantage in the NFL. But um, my number two, as you can tell, I'm bringing up a play. If you are watching on YouTube, Blau Powell, 178 rushing uh, rushes for tw- uh, 772 yards, 4.3 average, five touchdowns. Doesn't sound too impressive, but we already went over in the beginning of the show how bad the offensive line was. I was surprised he even got 4.3 yards uh, per run when I looked at it because, like I said, the offensive line was just absolutely terrible. Um, me and Kyle Smith went over this play with this linebacker crashes down way too hard, but he sees that his play side gaps on an inside zone are clogged up and he nice cutback makes a, you know, negative or no gain 21 yards. So, and he always, we said this too, I'm not sure if you listened to that show, Glenn, but he always fights for for extra yards. We're here. Some running backs go down at the 45 Powell fights forward for another five, six yards right there. So Powell always, 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 always falls forward for another one or two or even more yards. Yeah, that guy, he, I'll tell you what, man, people don't realize it because of his size, because he's not that 240-pound back. But the number of times I see him get extra yards after contact, it really just uh, – uh, he, he's, he's just such an underrated player. He has been for so many years. And it's a shame that he didn't get more, you know, more opportunities earlier in his career. The only – not the only, but one of the, the big things with Powell that I think is um, a positive – is that if you go back to his time in Louisville and you look at his first three, four, five years in the NFL, he doesn't have the type of mileage that a, your typical 30-year-old running back has. So he's he might be, you know, 30, 31, whatever, however old he is. But he it might not be unrealistic to say he's got 27-year-old legs on him. Because yeah, 27, not, 28, yeah, and he can, he can, he can have it, another two, three years of produ- like really good production. I, I agree with that. Exactly, and, and, and I really hope that they find a way, if this team does, you know, if they do find a way to turn things around in a hurry, let this guy be a big part of it because he's been, he's been underutilized his whole career. I don't know any Jets fan that follows this team um, regularly that doesn't feel that way. And just a, you know, high-character guy, keeps his mouth shut, plays, you know, plays well when called upon, does everything well. And um, I, he absolutely, you know, deserves some some recognition for what he's done. Yeah, and that in that last play, there's a pin and pull, and he was just really, really impressive on uh, that play as well. Glenn, I'm gonna try to find here. Let me. I just wanna. I was doing that Anunoma film review, like I said the other day, and he had a run block for Powell. Oh, this this play, I just I had to put it up because it's like ridiculous. This was from 2016, but I don't know if do you remember this play, Glenn. From when? 2016 against the Niners. Oh, yeah. I was just out of control, like, to, to just duck a, a defensive lineman like that. It just, it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, so he gets my number two. Uh, he's a really, really, really good player, really underrated player. And I do I think he could be a number one um, back who can take, you know, 400 carries a year, 350 carries a year. No, not necessarily because he has been dinged up a little bit. Now, I do think that he's been – it's been kind of overstated of how much in, how much injuries he's got. Where yeah, he's gotten a couple, but people will kind of just throw it in there when he's really hasn't missed too too many games. But yeah, he's he's a damn impressive player. So he gets my number two, uh, Glenn. Your number two was cursed. So let's move on to number one. Unless you have any more comments about our Bilal pal. Now you're muted. 
Were you moving your yeah, cat, Glenn? Uh, Were you I moving think... your cl- your cat? Is this why? No, I I wasn't moving a cat. My uh, my 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 wife's cat was trying to sneak into the room here, and uh, it's just uh, I hate cats, but. We'll get another one-star review. Oh, my God, animal rights here. You hate us. Why do you hate cats? Cats shouldn't die. It's like, no, I just don't like them. But, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my number one is going to Robbie Anderson. Had a, had a great year. Had, what, a four, five, six-game stretch where he scored touchdowns, scored big touchdowns, beat good cornerbacks, you know, got behind defenses. He was, you know, really tough guy to defend. Kind of what we saw from him his rookie year, except he had a quarterback to get him the ball this season. And, um I still laugh when I think back to when he, uh, when it, when he, what was that stupid penalty he got throwing his helmet in the middle of the season? And I, I no, that was at the, yeah, it was at the end of the, uh, bu- 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 I forget what game that was. Maybe, maybe it was the Bucks game actually. I, but I forget what, yeah, I forget what game it was. It was like the second Whatever, last sort of, play of the game and he threw his helmet, got a 50 yeah. penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I saw people, uh, there were people, and granted, it's only a couple lunatics. I was one of them. Uh, Saying, let's we we got to cut this guy. Cut this guy. He's he's he, he's an idiot. He's a menace. He's a one trick pony. Cut him. And that's the other thing. When people I hear people say that Robbie Anderson is a one trick pony. Um, when that one trick is running past the defense and scoring touchdowns, I'm okay with that. Like, like, like that's a bad thing. Oh, the only thing he's good at is running faster than everyone else on the field and getting touchdowns. That's a good even, trick. Like even on this play, Glenn. Like I know Brett Grimes is a little bit older than him, but he's like four yards away from him, and, and he's he was considered one of the, like he's a fast player. Um, he got by by his athletic ability, and he just burns him. Like not burns him. Yeah. he gets by him. Another, but he, but, he, but he's got he's got to step on him after, as you said. He's you know look look at how much ground he has to make up there. Yeah, cushion. Yeah. And he gets past him. Tall guy. He you know we saw him improve this year at at high pointing the ball and and pulling it down in the crowd. So. Good for him. Exciting young player. Um, for the, you know, when, when you get the um, the anti-McCagnon folks, they really don't like the fact that Robbie Anderson keeps producing because they like being able to say that, you know, uh, that, that we have a GM who can't identify talent. Um, and Robbie Anderson, man, he's, uh, like I said, he right off the bat out of college when the Jets grabbed this guy, I thought he was uh, an intriguing prospect. And luckily, you know, we both, everybody mentioned his frame. You know, he's, he's 6'5", about, you know, 106 pounds. He's going <laughs> to get snapped in half in the NFL. But he's held up and, um, you know, tip of the cap to that guy. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about this before, too, where he definitely improved catching the ball over his shoulder. Now, does he definitely has to work towards, you know, work on uh, yeah. getting sketchy over the middle where he'll um, retract his arms, let the ball go by, or kip a ball because he doesn't extend his arms fully, or he'll drop a ball when it's coming straight at him. But over the shoulder, he definitely improved. In traffic, he definitely improved. Um, and it, it's and the thing with, like, the deep, the deep threat is – yeah, even if he is just a deep threat for his entire career, Deshaun Jackson was pretty much a deep threat his entire career. That, that, that's, that's the name that always comes up. Every time I hear someone say one-trick pony, I think to myself, Deshaun Jackson's a pretty damn good one-trick pony. But, yeah, he but, – but Deshaun Jackson ran with the ball a little bit better, um, you know, after than Robbie Anderson, you know, hence him being on the punt return team. Yeah, right. But, but you know, with that low center of gravity, he's like five. Yeah. Feet. 
know, yeah, no, yeah, exa- exactly. So I under, I completely understand, but what you're saying, you know, pure deep threat are mostly a deep threat. Now, regardless, even if he is just a deep threat, one, you have to you have to put a safety over top, or two, even if you're not putting a safety over top and you're and you're giving him ten yards of cushion, you know, easy is from the cutback on a comeback or a slant if you can just improve slightly on catching the and ball. With, so and, and with all the work he's doing with Chad Johnson, he, we did see improvement this year. We saw slightly expanded route tree, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see more next year. I think uh, yeah. he. He didn't hit a thousand yards this year. They get a quality quarterback, and he stays healthy. I I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up twelve, thirteen hundred yards. This is his best play of the year, by the way. And if people aren't watching on YouTube, like I said, subscribe and watch it. But we're basically putting like highlight film of the the studs and bad plays of the duds. But yeah, he just like um like I said, if you if you're playing ten yards off, and he just has. Like let's say if he even starts his route and the and the cornerback squats a little bit, he still has like like four or five yards of cushion on a lot of plays. All he has to do is cut back on a comeback, you know, dig, you know, in whatever it may be, um, and catch the ball. So if you can just catch the ball sometimes when he's doing that, which he does most of the time, but there is still too many drops I think that I'm comfortable with, um, just in general. But yeah, he he's a guy who could easily be a thousand yard receiver as long as he stays healthy for as long as he do, as long as he does now does. His frame worry, worry me where I don't think he's going to be necessarily in peak form. I think he's going to battle some injuries, especially later down in his career. But he's, what, 23, 24 now, so I have to worry about that for a couple of years. But I think he's not going to be guys around for 10, 12 years doing this type of stuff. He's just way too skinny unless he bulks up. But, yeah, put a safety over top or, you know, give him cushion and uh, let him cut back on a, on a curl or play him on. And if you're going to press him, and he can get off of that press, he's going to burn you. He's one of the fastest players in the entire NFL, and this was definitely just his best play of the year, Glenn. Just two guys yeah. all over him, uh, fingertip catch, and taps his toes in for on the sideline catch. So, yeah, yeah he, he gets my number one as well, 63 receptions, 941 yards, uh, f- almost a 15-yard average per catch, which is crazy, and seven touchdowns on the year. And good good quarterback who hits him a lot of the times where McCown is, you know, we, we put him in our studs of the offense, but still not a great quarterback, not even a good quarterback. You're looking at, you know, probably 80, 90 receptions, even 100 receptions, and probably, you know, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns with this guy. So he, he is that type of player where he is a really, really big threat in the NFL. So, but let's move on to the defense, Glenn. Um, we spent a little bit over, wow, what time? We started probably – Five thirty. So almost an hour on the studs and duds of the offense. So let's move on to the defense, Glenn. Move a little bit quicker with these guys. Give me your number three dud of the defense. My number three dud on defense is going to be um, is going to be Buster Screen. I know he had a he he, he had a few nice stretches where um, where he played well. Probably his best year as a Jet. Honestly, he had some he had some some stretches where he played really well. No doubt the about reason- it. The reason I'm putting him on this list is because I didn't like when he was questioned about the penalties. I didn't like how he was kind of like, well, I just get penalties because I have a, a reputation for it now. Like kind of implying he wasn't really legitimately drawing the penalties. No. Um, and, That's... you know, he said, oh, as, as a smaller guy getting mixed up with these tall guys, I, th- I think he said something. He, he basically, instead of just saying, I got to get better, he was like, well, I get penalties, but that's because I used to get penalties. and. And now I just have a reputation. Something again. I'm not. I'm not sitting here pretending I remember the exact quote. It may not be anything. It. It may not even be anything close to what I just said. I just know that it was not. He didn't take responsibility for it, um, and he tried to make it sound like it wasn't anything he was doing. So while he did have his best year, because he did, he, he had some bad games. But I'll tell you what, Buster Screen may have had seven or eight really good games this year. Um, 
and but he also has you know two or three atrocious games and then a few games where you didn't really notice him but I'm not a big fan of the uh, not taking responsibility for what you're doing and that's why he gets my number three because I, I didn't like the fact that he he passed that off yeah um I I definitely wasn't gonna put him in here just because of like like, like I said I said oh, too, probably too much but I can't think of a better phrase for but relative to expectations. I think he played, you know, pretty, yeah, like you said, maybe like six, seven, eight really good games where he played really well and made a lot of plays. Now, I don't think he's necessarily back next year unless he comes at a reduced contract. He's like at a, what is it, like seven, $8 million cap hit? He's at, I want to say he's at 8.25, and that conversation has come up. Part of me thinks there's no way he'll get that, but then there's another part of me that thinks, especially with the Morris Claiborne, like not knowing what his situation is, they have nothing at corner. They might just say, you know what, we'll just we'll just pay this guy's eight two five. We don't need it. We don't. We're not hurting for money. You know, even if we sign Cousins and a couple of corners and you know a center, we're still going to have twenty million in cap space. Um, they may not have much of a choice, unfortunately, unless if you go out and get like a Fuller, um, and you draft a corner in round one, and then that changes things up a little bit. But I think he'll be around at least uh, at least till training camp. But I like Fuller coming out of a lot at a college, but um, so yeah, my number, my number three is Justin Burris. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching one interception, 18 tackles, he took terrible angles like this a lot, flat footed in the open field. And then there is also this play that I'll bring up as well, um, where he's in a, Oh, let me just bring this up. I'm, I'm going to try not to forget one time this entire show of not bringing up the play. When I'm talking about it, but you see him right here. He is on the Field side and a cover three, so he has one-third deep field responsibility on the uh, field side, and he gets spun around, gets spun around, and guess what? The I think it's a tight end actually just sneaks behind him, and big gain for him. Um, lets up a reception right in front of his face, and we saw this a lot, just lack of awareness. He took terrible angles, where I said it last week as well, where if he's running on like a kind of like a slant angle, um, where if he's coming, let's say, if the guy's inside a uh, running back and he's on an outside, he's the boundary corner, and he, he can run um, where the wide receiver is not looking at him, then he's fine. He can tackle a guy. But when he's running head-on to a guy, he, he takes terrible angles. He gets way too flat-footed and way too kind of, um, I guess, like antsy in, in the open field. And like I said, this play, what you're going to want to see him do is drop back into his zone, be aware of it. You can still look at the quarterback when you're, when you're dropping back here. And since Glenn's going, I guess I'll break down a little bit more, but he's doing that half shuffle type of back pedal, but you never want to get like spun around where you're not really able to, to see who's coming into your zone. So you want to be able to look at the quarterback and in your peripheral peripherals, look at the uh, wide receiver who's in your vision. He loses them behind them, just makes an easy cut and catches a ball, which for what, I don't, I don't know, plus 20, 25, 22 yards something like that so he's just not a very good cornerback yeah you know he uh he didn't have a the year that that I had hoped I know that the Jets had hoped they'd said that he was a guy that looked to get more playing time after he didn't play much last season he's actually uh he's my number two Justin Burris um talked earlier about the possibility of moving him to safety um whether or not that happens we'll see I know that when he was drafted that was one of the questions that was asked of Mike McAgan by some of the Jets beat reporters or by a beat reporter, you know, is he going to be a safety or a corner? McAgan said, you know, he'll be a corner for now. And no, he's not. Um, he doesn't have, obviously, if he had great cover skills, you wouldn't be talking about moving him. But in terms of safeties, he would probably be a middle to above average cover safety. I uh, just got to work on his tackling. 
Yeah, my number two, which is I – I don't know about this one. But, no, I actually, I do. Uh, Darren Lee – or Daron Lee, 94 tackles, it's three sacks. Darren Lee. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why I said it right then said it wrong again. Uh, he just kind of becoming like a forgotten man. But me and Kyle went over this play again. <laughs> and just the ter- just terrible awareness. It's just a pitch play. And the entire offensive line is slanting left. And what, is, what does Darren Lee do? He runs the opposite way. Like, like just this terrible awareness. Just completely takes himself out of the play. So maybe he's getting faked out by the fake jet sweep. But once you see the offensive line all slant that way and the ball not go to Travis Benjamin right here, you'd think that he'd have had awareness. Like, okay, maybe he got faked at the beginning. But then again, he goes back to the inside. Like, uh, I don't know what the guy is trying to do here. But um, he gets my number, my, my number two, Glenn. Yeah, I, I thought about making him my number three, but he had, you know, again, take, taking the whole season into account and how bad he was last year, I felt like he made enough strides. There was enough improvement there to to leave him off the list. Glad like um, this play. I know you said you watched that show, but it's it's uh, cover two man, and he's on the fullback. Like, what is show? he doing? Uh, that's the straw I did it with Kyle. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw most of it. I didn't see all of it, but I caught most of it. But here, you're okay, so he's man up on the fullback in cover two. Um, and the fullback comes out like he's about to block him, and Lee always gets lost in the quarterback's eyes. So, man, you want to, you, you really want to lock in on your guy. A court, quarterback is secondary if you can look at him, but he leaks out for a, a route in the flat, and Lee just completely loses him. Like, this is as simple as it gets. Just, just stay on your man. So, his awareness is, is beyond bad. That's what I don't think he's ever going to be a good player. Maybe he'll, he'll turn into an okay starter. But his lack of awareness and his like just his instincts are are really really bad. And this is another play where you just see it again. So, yeah, I think I think next year is big for him. You know, we've talked about his his lack of experience at the position. But you know, you're in the NFL now. You've got two seasons under your belt. Um, you had a nice stretch where you look like a much better player, and then uh, then you kind of regressed a little bit. So, do whatever you're going to do in the off season. Come back next year as a, a more consistent player and prove that you're, you know, you need to be an every-down guy, or maybe maybe you just become a situational player. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. And, like, we were talking about his athleticism, his, his lack of awareness, and even his athleticism, you see him trip a lot. You see him um, just taking bad angles. You just just like like this, but, like, he's a little bit – He loses his balance a lot. A lot. Like, here, Glenn, like, he like he's a little bit late. So he's communicating with Demario Davis just before this. So he's not looking at um, Melvin – or not at Melvin Ingram, uh, Mark Ingram – so he starts up to play a little bit late, but gets out. But look, he starts sprinting out his full sprint. And he's actually lucky on this play. People thought he made a good play. So Ingram breaks out. He's going to a flat, then breaks vertically. And then he breaks back out on a, on a pivot route. If, if this is an angle route where, you know, uh, like I said. Right. Pivot, it looks like he's, looking, he's setting him up for an angle route, and then he cuts outside. Yeah. So, yeah, p- yeah pivot route. You're going to come up. You're going you're gonna to do a turn. You're going to turn back to the quarterback, and you run outside. Or, you know, whip route. You're going to go like – like that, like kind of like a triangle. But if an angle route, it's, a, it's like an opposite side of a triangle of a whip route. We're going to go out and then up. If, if this is an angle route, he gets destroyed right here. Oh, God, yeah. So, I mean, you, you have to hope that Jamal Adams, yeah. if that's an angle route, Jamal Adams comes up and lays the wood. But otherwise, yeah, Darren Lee is in another zip code. Yeah, so it looks like a nice play, nice tackle. But, like, he – look at that room. So, um, yeah, he, he's just not a very good player. But, Glenn, let's move on to your number one dud of the defense for the year. Muhammad Wilkerson. Let's, I mean, come on, man. There's no suspense there. Any, any, 
uh, anything that you're talking about this year that has to do with with disappointing, poorly performing, underproducing, overpaid, overhyped, um, anything in that category goes to Mo. Listen, man, you talk about expectations. This guy made more than like the rest of the roster combined, and uh, and he couldn't lay down fast enough when the ball was snapped. Uh, you know, I I made the comment earlier in the year that he had, he had like three or four good games after he got called out. Um, but really, you know, that lasted a couple of weeks. And then and all the Volk supporters came out and, oh, my God, you see, you're wrong. Look how well I, 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 told, I told you he was going to have an awesome season. You should yeah. apologize right now. Don't you yeah. Did you see that time he had a sack this week? Yeah, I mean, no, and, and there was that three, four-game stretch where he looked like the kind of like the old and, Wilkerson. And I said it. I, I said on Twitter, I forget which game it was, but I said it's unbelievable how much, this, how much better this defense is when Mo Wilkerson feels like playing. Completely different. Like, there was, you know, you had someone on a D-line that that, that, that spot went from invisible to unblockable. Like, the difference that makes in a front seven, you can't measure that. Um, but, again, it only lasted a few games. He went back to dogging it, and uh, man, what an embarrassing season for him! Uh, I said, "Is this well, the worst?" And Glenn, I want to ask you a question because you've been a Jets fan for a lot longer than I have. Is this the worst, like, kind of like example of getting a big contract and just completely loafing it? Yeah, I can't. I mean, especially on a second deal, you know, maybe like you know rookies like Golston and stuff. But in terms of like, yeah, at least Golston like tried. Right. I thought about, like loafing, like he's not even trying. Like Golston was just an idiot. And he wasn't a good player, but at least he tried, yeah. you know. But in, in terms of uh yeah, I can't think of a guy who got a bigger deal and did less than Muhammad Wilkerson. And it's not because of the lack of ability, you know, he just didn't care. And that's that's the risk you take with these guys. You know, we've talked about, you know, should should the Jets have re-signed him knowing that he missed meetings and stuff like that. He missed meetings, but I sometimes these these executives, the the GMs in the front office they just look at the film and say, look, man, sometimes he's late to practice, but he gets to the damn quarterback. Let's pay him. Um, but yeah. it, it's a risk. It's a gamble. Some guys keep showing up late and keep getting to the quarterback. Yeah. Mo, Mo kept showing up late but stopped getting to the quarterback. And the number of times we saw him just take a dive this year was embarrassing. And I have, I have no doubt he's going to sign somewhere this year and he's going to have a phenomenal year because he's going to want to get that money back. He's going to get a one-year contract. He's going to get eight, nine, ten sacks, you know, ten tackles for loss. You, you know, I, I hate to say it because I, you know, when, when it looked like the Jets might not re-sign him, my thought was he's a perfect fit in New England because they love to change up their fronts. One week they're a 3-4 defense. The next week they're a 4-3 defense. Mo Wilkerson can do a nice job in either one of those if he feels like playing. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Mo Will goes to New England has himself a nice year. I don't think Belichick's stupid enough to pay him. But Belichick, no. can, Belichick can, can sign him to a two-year deal or whatever, let him have a couple of really nice seasons, and then he'll cash in again. But It's like, Haynes, it's like Haynes work with the Redskins, right? That's, he, that's what he's yeah. talking the second yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't want to hear – I don't you know, if Mo Will goes on to have a couple of good seasons, I don't want to hear about, oh, how do we – and you know fans are going to say it. Why did we let him go? Why didn't we re-sign him? Uh-huh. What, you know what? Listen – it, no matter what he does from this point in his career, no yeah. matter if he goes up, if he wakes up tomorrow and decides, you know what, I'm going to bust my ass every day, and he goes to the Hall of Fame, he that wasn't going to happen here. 
He was no, done. You have he to look at done. it. You have to look at it at that time. If if the Jets were to pay him eighteen million dollars next year and kept him, fans would freak out. So that whatever happens, if he come, you know, becomes Reggie White, he's not. He, this this is the right move to get rid of him. He's like what it, this year he's like the sixth uh, highest paid non quarterback in the league, and this type of effort. And there was games where he did this even more, but like he's. This play is really anchoring in and trying to drive to get to that running back. Like, what is he like? Come on, man! Like, look at that. He's not even. He's, he's not even attempting to get to. to but get the, to the, the, thing, the thing that bothers me, Joe, and I said this after I forget what week it was. Week four. Week what a five. bum! This guy is such a freaking bum. I, I cannot wait until I see Jets cut Mahalo Walkerson. I cannot wait for that day. He's an embarrassment. I, he's an embarrassment to football. He really is. I, I I said it in week four, week five, whatever it was, that they were idiots. Uh, I think I think the word I use is reckless. Um, that they were reckless to be playing this guy at this point with what was it? Could you imagine if they were stuck with this guy next year for 17 million because he got hurt in Gosh. week eight? Because while while he while he was you know may, maybe while he was lying down on the field doing nothing, somebody stepped on his ankle and snapped it, and you have to put him on IR. They should have been the fact they benched him for the last three weeks of the season. I guess you can file it under better late than never. But in all reality, this way too should, late. He should have been benched in week five or six. It was obvious at that point he had no interest in playing football. None. That what what week did we play the Patriots first, Glenn? Was that like week week like seven or eight? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. That game was like when I I saw that at least at least a minimum of ten to fifteen times where he was just giving no effort at all. And at that point, I should have benched him. And the fact that he's even practicing a couple of weeks ago just is terrible. And we yep. called out the coaches for it because that's just a bad. Even if he like slips on the practice field. I don't understand. I mean, you're, you are an NFL football team. You're going over, you know, you've got your D line coach or your D coordinator or your head coach who's defensive oriented. You're going over film with the whole team. Like how do, how do they, how do you with a straight face, not, how do you let the rest of the team watch this guy mail it in and not bench him? Yeah. Uh, I think your cat has something to say as well, Glenn. Just, just really hey, not a Wilkerson fan. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a cat. My wife has a cat. <laughs> yeah, I, we've already talked about this. Um, but yeah, it's for for a guy who's getting paid like seventeen, eighteen million dollars, whatever, it, whatever it may be, uh, and he gets you know in thirteen games, what twenty six tackles, three and a half sacks. He was benched for three games. He was benched for a quarter as well. Just. Uh, the absolute he's an embarrassment. I like. I hope he never plays again. Honestly, he's he's got his money just just get out of the NFL, um, unless you're playing for you know the Patriots or one of these teams. You just loaf it versus the Jets, maybe. But you know, regardless. Okay, let's move on. He's just the, the bummiest of the bums. I hate that guy. I really, really do. And it's funny because like the Jets have their Jets whatever meetings. I don't, I don't know if they are. I don't really care. I don't go to them. Um, but they like benched Wilkerson on that too. Like he he was on the lineup and then they took him off. <laughs> Um, but let's move to the studs of the defense, Glenn. Give me your number three. Uh, defense, I'm going to go, you know, th- this has a lot to do with expectations, which, as we've talked about a couple times. I'm, I'm going to give number three to Coney Ealy. Because Coney Ealy was a guy, that, I'll tell you what, I mean, there's so much respect for from, from football fans and any, anyone objective. You, you have so much respect for Bill Belichick and his ability to evaluate talent. That when he lets Coney Ealy go, you probably think, oh well, this guy doesn't really have a place. Like it's not like it's not like the Chandler Jones thing where he trades him and gets something in return. Like they, the Patriots traded for this guy, they got him in a camp, and whatever he did, Bill Belichick thought not good enough for us. And then you think, oh wow, that's surprising. And then when the Jets signed him, I went back and I watched some film and I looked at some stats and I thought, 
we kind of should be able to play, but why the hell would the smartest man, you know, why would the most brilliant football mind on the planet let this guy go? Um, and he was he, he cooled off late in the year, but he provided he provided consistent pressure off the edge, and we've all talked about it a million times. He had about you know fifty thousand batted passes at the line. So Coney Ealy, man, he showed up at the last second. Glenn, he had nine pass deflections, not fifty thousand. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna double check that. I think your numbers are wrong on that, Joe. <laughs> I, I I do believe it was fifty thousand. Um, we'll we'll address that next show. But, uh, but yeah, look, he, he had a nice season for them, and I hope they find a way to keep him around, especially given the fact that Mo should be on his way out. Yeah, and we'll talk about him in a little bit as, as well with some other things. But, yeah, he was, he was pretty damn impressive to me um, as well. And when I was thinking about this, like I was, I was thinking about my guy for number three, and people are going to be like, oh, my God. Like, these are the guys, like the non-film guys or just like casual fans who are going like, to get on me for this. But I'll give my number three to Mike Pennell. Uh, the, the way he played at the end of the season, I, I think he really solidified his spot on this roster guy who I think is going to play a lot more as the zero and one technique next year. And I know you're making faces at me right now, Glenn, but he, the last three, four games this year, he was fantastic. And then, honestly, if, if there was more to pick at the defense, who really <clears> played that well on the defense? Like yeah, we had, we're going to have McClendon and Pennell and Leonard Williams and stuff like that. But like I said, relative to expectations, Mike Pennell, uh, I think he had a, a really good year. So, well, the only reason I'm making faces, Joe, I don't disagree. He played well, but he, he wasn't really a regular until sort of halfway through the season, um, if not later than that. So, it well, just, Coney Ely I, I'm, I'm, was uh, playing good the rest of the first half of the year, and then the second half of the year, he didn't play that well, Glenn. But he was so. playing. No, 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 no. no I know. <laughs> he didn't play as well. He was still playing well. Um, just, just the fact Coney Ely for the first five, six, seven weeks of the season was playing like 12 snaps. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at it in terms of playing time. I think Mike Pennell, and I said it uh, the other day, talking to the no-fly zone guys, that um, if you get past the stupid penalty he had, he actually was a really good player for them in the middle of the defense. So I like him a lot. I think you're right. I think we see more of him next year. And uh, he did have a good season. So, yeah, he definitely has the ability. Um, I'm just surprised to see him on this list because of the, uh, the lack of playing time. But, um, oh yeah, but if but, he produced when he was playing, like at the end of the year, you take those five games and you and you sum it all up, and you put that over a sixteen game season. Like he, he only had thirty five tackles. But like even this play, inside zone split again, he uh, gets a combo block from the backside guard and the center. He flashes his helmet into the um, play side a gap and uh, chase the running back back inside. Well, yeah, Xavier Cooper crashes down hard, so the running back has to cut outside, but. Coming after a combo block when the guard has, you know, leverage to where the running back is cutting to, to just e to just easily disengage him as easy as he does right there and just tackle him by himself is like, he was super, super, super impressive. If you're a film guy and you watch him on the inside, just, just the, some of the things he did, like even this play, which is his game. He was, he was, it, you know, again, it's one of those things I hate, I hate to, to say it, but uh, you know, why wasn't he, you know, I actually there was a I, I actually started a, a thread on Jet Nation uh, in the forums after I think it was probably after week three or four, and I was kind of like, why is, has Mike Pennell made a play yet? Like, why is he on the roster? Because he was playing like eight nine snaps a week, and then once he starts getting regular playing time, it, this isn't a rookie. It's not like this is a guy that you were waiting for him to come into his own. He played enough with the Steelers, and he had enough accolades coming from Pittsburgh that this is the kind of reputation he had. And it's like, why wasn't this guy playing more? But I. I I tell you what, man, he uh, that dude, <laughs> he's he's strong. 
Yeah, this play that I'm putting up shows on the goal line stop where he just grabs the running back in midair and just stops him from going to mm-hmm. the goal line. Like it's like a 230 yep. pound running back, and he just grabs him like he's a, a freaking toddler and yep. just slams him. So people are going to yell me for that, but come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but Mark yeah. Hill. Yeah, he's a good player. I think he gets more playing time next year. I think yep. the Jets maybe sign a, you know, a Ledger Doosable type or like a Jarvis Jenkins type or, you know, whoever, yeah, I mean, maybe keep Xavier Cooper. You can make it, the case that the defensive line was better once Mo was out. Which it was better. It was better, I think, yeah. If you, and, and that's what I said early in the year. I said, you know, um, I think it was like week three. It was, all, it was really early. Uh, week three, I think. And I said, would, would this D-line, you know, am I crazy to say – the Jets' defense would be better if they benched Mo Wilk and Darren Lee. And that's when Darren Lee was playing terrible. And I think I said, put in, like, Deion Simon and 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 Julian Stanford. Because anybody – if you would have taken an NFL-caliber D lineman who felt like playing football, they would have been an upgrade over Mo. I don't care what anybody says. Um, as far as Darren Lee, you know, like I said, he had some stretches where he was good. But I, you just – it's like, would you be any worse off – you know, when he was at his worst um, with Stanford. So, but I think the D line was as good, if not better when they went from a guy making 18 million a year to a guy making like $18 a year. Yeah. So like I said, I, th- I think they sign a role player. I think they move panel more inside as a zero and the one next year. And then McClendon's as a two or a three, a little bit more than he was under some sub packages and stuff like that, where McClendon will be back, at, be back as a zero or a one or a two or panels out and bring in a safety or whatever. But yeah, I think they're both of their roles in, increase next year. Glenn, uh, who was your number two? Uh, let's see. I got my list. Hang on. My number two, uh, Jamal Adams. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He's a guy that uh, the um, – I, I actually – kind of, kind of a similar reason why I think we did earlier in the offseason or earlier in the season we did a, uh, a – you know, maybe it was the, the halfway mark or something like that, you know, the, the best players – I just I like his versatility. I like what he brought to the table in terms of uh, the, the a chess piece. You know, they they you know he he lined up at linebacker a lot, but he also lined up you know he he lined up at safety quite a bit. He played a little bit in the slot at corner. The uh, you know folks that were very unhappy to see the Jets take him in the first round, um, just they just wanted to call him a box safety to try to sort of minimize him. He's a box safety. He's a box safety. He's a box safety. He played in the box a lot, but he also played out of the box a lot. And, um, you know, the, the effort, you know, this type of stuff that you're showing right now, we saw that quite a bit from him, the backside pursuit, getting after guys, dragging guys down at or around the line of scrimmage. Just a, a really good player, a really nice chess piece for Todd Bowles' defense. And, uh, you know, a couple forced fumbles, a couple of fumble recoveries, dropped a couple picks, which is a little bit frustrating. But, um, you know, that, that these things are going to happen. And um, yeah, I think that you can't really you can't really overlook the uh, the value that this guy's going to bring in the future. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't going to stop diving at ankles. That's for that's for damn sure. And I think he's a little bit too aggressive, which we're going to get into like the maybe we'll get into the rookie rookie review. Uh, maybe we'll hold it off actually, depending on how much time we have into next week. It's it's not like we have a. Um, a ton of topics to talk about for three months of non-football, four, five, six months, whatever it is. So we can always push things back. That's completely fine with me. Um, but my number two, Glenn, who I think you know who I'm going to talk about is actually Steve McClendon. Uh, guy is just super, super impressive. I want to bring up a couple of, of plays here. And this isn't like a, this isn't a crazy good play, but like he didn't make the play. It's probably actually defensive holding. 
but for him to to hold the center who's trying to get on a combo block and get off to Davis for him to hold his shoulder pad because he knows Davis is going to fill like that's a smart veteran savvy player to, to hold that that center so he can't get to Davis letting Davis make the tackle like that's a nice freaking play that you like you know that doesn't show up on the stat sheet he held the center so Davis can make a block but that's like football football um type of stuff and this is another play I'm not sure exactly what it is I just pulled up a couple of uh, place here. There's a run stuff, apparently. Oh, yeah. We've talked about yeah, that. Yeah, that, this is a great play right here. <laughs> yeah. This is just another... Shove shove the center to the side and make the play. Yeah, coming off of this in our inside zone, comes off a combo block, flashes yeah. his helmet into the play side A gap, and then easily disengages the the um, the center with a with a swim move. Just, just ridiculous. Like, that I, I is get, ridiculous. I, I get way more upset than I should, but when, when I see people say I, – I, I saw it. I don't, I don't get into the, the arguments and the, the, the debates on Facebook, but it was, like, one of, the, one of the many online Jets, you know, Facebook groups, and it was, like, McClendon is garbage. And I was, like, I just – I don't have enough time to, to break down and respond to, to these comments. But I think fans, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing, you know, I did it too, but probably when I was 14 or 15, like you just fall in love with sacks. And if a guy doesn't have double digit sacks, he sucks. You know, like there is no watching the ball, you know, watching, looking away from the ball and watching what he's doing. Look at that. I mean, the only reason, the the only reason I didn't put him in, in my top three is because I'm, I'm putting him in one of the awards. So uh, I wanted to give some other guys some credit, but okay. We, we actually – we talked last year about how he was better than people gave him credit for, and I feel like this year he came back even better. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, he, he is a severely underrated guy. Um, it makes me – you know, I, I again, I get mad. I, I've seen people, you know, again, Jets fans, they'll find a couple of plays where he didn't play well, and they'll be like, oh, look, he sucks. Look, he got blocked yeah. out of the play here. Listen, everybody gets blocked sometimes, you know what I mean? No doubt about it. Steve McClendon can friggin' play, and uh, he's a guy that doesn't get nearly enough credit. And he, I think we are Steve McClendon's biggest supporters. Jets we fans. are. We should start a uh, Steve McClendon fan club and website <laughs> uh, television uh, sitcom. Yeah, well, that's the stuff like you don't see on on the broadcast. Steve McClendon playing well. That's the stuff you have to watch the film to know. Um, and this play too. You know, you see, you see. Uh, this is sorry, Leonard Williams. I just blanked out for whatever reason, but he's the three tech and he just jerks this uh, left guard. So makes a running back cut back and McClendon as a zero just manhandles this, this uh, center. Like he just yep. pushes him around. Like he's a child. He's, he's not, not quite on the level of Chris Jenkins, but he, you do every now and then. But he's see, more agile than Chris Jenkins. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chris Jenkins weighed 40 pounds more than he does, but you do see him just throw people around from time to time. Like, look at this. This, this is a 300 pound man and he's just pushing him around. Like, come on, man. So yeah, he, he is super, super impressive. He's probably like one, he's my, one of my favorite jets. Definitely the most um, underrated jets. Maybe we should have that. That's a new topic right now. Glenn, most underrated jet. Do you under, do you, do you agree with me? That it's Steve McClendon? I mean, we've been talking about that all year. We've, we've been talking about it since last year, but now this year is like a, even more so because he's just – he's brought his game to another level. And re- hmm. he plays a position where you see guys that do his job that do it well at like age 34, 35. So he's yeah. got a few good years left in him, and I would, I would, I would be thrilled to see him get a deal. And, and I love the way he carries himself off the field. 
Fantastic um, locker room guy. Yep. You hear him in post-game interviews. He takes accountability for himself. Uh, I think I, I said it during this this preseason. I was like, this is a guy, you know, I think the reason they're keeping it, it was like everyone on the roster, like 32 and over got urged. He got to stay behind. And I think it's because they looked at him and they saw him as a leader. And Jets fans do not appreciate him as much as they should. Part of the reason is because this team is not good right now. The other part of the reason is because he doesn't put up a lot of sacks, and that's what a lot of fans look at. So you look at an interior lineman who throws people around on a team that goes 5-11, and 11, your casual fan doesn't care. But anybody yeah. who's watching the games and watching the film, you have to appreciate what this guy does. Yeah, I guess there's like a like a topic on the spot, too. We said un, un, underrated was McLennan. I think overrated is probably Morris Claiborne. Glenn, do you, do you agree with that? We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but I just thought about it now. I would say Morris Claiborne. Yeah, that, that that's not a bad pick. No, um, actually, sorry, sorry. I I no I, I'm sorry. I did not uh, mean to say that. James Carpenter, by far. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm. Uh, you know, there, there's a few guys you could throw in there. This I'm year, gonna, it's def- I think it has to be James Carpenter. Let's see. Uh, I th- yeah, I I would agree with that. I'm trying to find. Let's see. Most surprising comeback disappointing. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about those two yeah, topics. But. Yeah, for, for yeah, that's I was gonna say that's not in here, but I would say, and I think I said it last week um, when we were talking when I mentioned how I you know I do the whole keep them or dump them just to see what the fan base is thinking, and um, and James Carpenter was like you know seventy four seventy five percent keep him, and I thought wow that's a really high number for I mean again I I get that he was good in the past, but generally when you're coming off a terrible season. Um, you're not going to have 75% of the fan base wanting you back. But guys, sometimes guys make make a, a, a living on reputation. And most fans, let's face it, they're not watching the O-line during a game. They hear the guy's name enough. He becomes a familiar name as a high performer. And in the, you know, in the mind of the casual fan, that guy will always be a very good player. Minus minus that Mike Pennell hit on, like, hit on Cam Newton. There's, some, there's probably, a, I would say, like 70% of Jets fans are like, who the hell is Mike Pennell? Like yeah. so, um, but yeah. So let's move on though. Just we did a quick underrated overrated. Like I said, I think McClendon's most underrated overrated probably is, is James Carpenter at least this year. Probably Morris Claiborne is the number two, even though he's good. But uh, we'll see what he, we'll see what he wants. I would like him back, but just depending on what kind of money. Yeah, if, he wants. if you if you can get him back as your number two corner, I can live with that. But no doubt about it. Yeah, your number one again. Yeah, he's not he's not number one. Number two, he's fine. I think he'd be a solid number two. Number one, he's not a good number one. So let's move on to the number one stud of the defense. Uh, let's see, Demario Davis. Uh, I think. No he, way, Glenn. He was terrible. <laughs> I think he also. Uh, we mentioned uh, Coney Ely's fifty thousand batted passes. I think Demario Davis had fifty thousand tackles. Uh, he had a ton of stops around the line of scrimmage. One hundred and thirty-five yeah. tackles, five sacks. He played yeah. 1,117 snaps, which is 100%. And he had a tackle on every single one of them, if, uh, if memory serves correctly. So nice, nice year for him. He got to the quarterback an awful lot more than you generally expect inside linebackers to get to the quarterback. He, uh, he, he's reinvented himself, let's face it. And um, I've tweeted it. I've said it before on this show. And I still think, you know, uh, what a fantastic move. Calvin Pryor, that's what you gave up. You gave up Calvin. You gave up John Idzik's one of John Idzik's prized possessions, um, and Calvin Pryor, and and you got a guy who really deserves some some Pro Bowl votes. Didn't get any, but uh, he deserves some consideration. And I think he's on his way to a probably seven and a half, eight and a half million dollar year contract, 
over the next three years. And I'm glad, man. Look, you know, when he left, I'm not going to say I was heartbroken because in the role they had him playing, he, he didn't fit there. He got beat a little bit too much. But in terms of his leader, again, same with McClendon, you know, in terms of leadership, character, tenacity, like you're not going to do better than Demario Davis. So they have some good players here to build around. Um, we talk about Jamal Adams, you know, the, the, his, his intangibles. And Demario Davis is right up there with that, man, at every level. You got, you got Adams in the secondary. You got Davis with the linebackers and McClendon up front. Some high-quality, high-character guys who can play this game. So I'm looking forward to him getting his contract extension. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of like a, a wash. Um, we can both admit that. Mm-hmm. And he came back, and he, he's, a, he's almost like – I would say he's a very solid line, but oh, a solid line. I want to say very solid because I think, <clears throat> sorry, he kind of regresses back to um, what's normal for him. But yeah, here and I think the the Broncos probably ran this play, I would say seven times this game. But for him to just fill in the uh, play side a gap, and he just tr- and yeah, the, the guard is coming off of a combo block. He's not full head of steam, but to truck over a three hundred pound guard and put him on his ass and then get it on the tackle like. That's as impressive as you get. So, uh, Demario Davis, just a hell of a year. I'm going to bring up another one, too, which I think is it from the Broncos game, too. Another counter. And this one, I'm pretty sure he just gets past the left tackle. If I'm right, let me see if I'm right here. Um, yeah, gets, gets past the left tackle who comes off a combo block and uh, fills in. He takes on the pulling tight end as well. Um, gets in there for the tackle. So he's getting blocked by an offensive lineman and getting partially blocked as well by a um, tight end who's coming across the formation and makes the tackle. So to fill in like that against two dudes, get around the blocks is just – and still get on the tackle. He had a hell of a year, especially in run game um, and in blitzing coverage. He definitely needs some work, but he wasn't as, as egregious as he was um, – especially in the first couple of years he was here with the Jets. Get, uh, Glenn, you just crack a can. No. Was that a bottle? Did you did, did you did are you going off the bottles now because you cannot open a bottle with a with an opener? I I, I coughed. <laughs> That's a weird ass cough. Okay, it's a can. As long as it's not like Coors Light, we're fine. No, it's it's actually um my my in-laws got me uh, a selection of six different IPAs for uh, for Christmas. And so I've never had any of these before. This one is called Cloudwater uh, Session IPA. You say Cloudwater or Clownwater? Cloud, like, uh, like with Geno Smith's head. Rain? Is should it be like called? Gino. Shouldn't it just be called like rain? <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it, I don't know where it's made or anything like that. Okay, so let's move on. Um, so okay, so we went over the defense and the offense of the studs and the duds, Glenn. Uh, I'm gonna go with the same guy for my overall MVP. I'm going with Demario Davis as as well. Uh, it was kind of between him and Robbie Anderson, obviously. You can go either way with one of these. I was going to let you go first, and whatever one you didn't pick, I was going to go. So I think like it's, it's 1A, 1B. They both had fantastic years. They both would have played better with better players around them. Demario Davis still has his struggles in terms of coverage. Um, Anderson still has his, his problems working under and in traffic. So I'm, I'm going to give it to, to Demario Davis as my overall MVP of the Jets this year. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Josh McCown. And the reason I'm going with Josh McCown is because when you look at his numbers, you know, you know, they, they weren't fantastic. They were respectable. But when you look at how bad this O-line was, I think a lot of quarterbacks behind that line would have just – would have been atrocious. But then shouldn't um, he have been, been your number one stud on offense? I, well, I didn't want all the uh, – I didn't, I didn't want to give, like, the same guys all the time. I didn't want the same names to keep coming up, basically. God damn it, Glenn. Your list makes no sense. 
<laughs> no, it, it, it does. It, make, it makes perfect sense. No, I got so, you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in terms of an individual performance, I you know, that that's what the old guys are. But when you're talking about just a guy that, that did, you know, that kept the offense together, kept things running smoothly, uh, I would have to go with McCown. He, um, you know, the locker room clearly responded to him. He, you know, I, I had people, friends of mine that would tweet me during the season and just say, I can't believe how functional this offense looks. Like everybody expected a complete disaster at every level. And Josh yeah. McCann was the reason for that. So he, uh, again, he wasn't great, but uh, he was good. And he was, he was respected by the, respected in the huddle, respected in the locker room. And, and again, the fact, I think it was his veteran presence and his, his veteran savvy that prevented him from, you know, from the op, prevented the offense from falling apart when the, when the, when the guys up front couldn't block. Yeah, I, I can understand your your reasoning there. Now, Glenn, let's move on to the next um, award, the Rookie of the Year. Uh, I was torn on this. You know, was, I, I think the obvious choices are Jamal Adams, Marcus May. Marcus May had a couple picks. Jamal Adams didn't have any. Um, and going back to what I said earlier, I'm, I'm going to give Jamal Adams the nod because of his versatility, because he was using so many different roles. He's got to get better for being the sixth overall pick. Uh, you know, we saw him give up some touchdowns where he was – you know, especially against, against Gronk, he gave him some big catches where he was stride for stride with the receiver, but just didn't either didn't locate the ball or didn't didn't get a hand up to this, you know, bat the ball down or disrupt or the receiver. Like Kelsey, so, where he was like overly aggressive on double moves. Yeah, so he, he's got to be better. But for a rookie, I feel like um, I feel like he did some really good things, and that's you know, uh, I could have I almost went with Marcus May. But I, I went yeah. with uh, the, the versatility was the X factor for me. The fact that he moved around so much and did so many different things. Yeah, and um, I'm going to go with Marcus May. You know, two interceptions, two pass deflections, a forced fumble, 56 tackles. And this is another guy who I, I like him. But there I can point out, I, I know, and Glenn, I know you, you'll say, um, you know, obviously there's some times where people are beat where you don't notice it on other teams, et cetera. But he was probably – he there could have been another, I would say, like five touchdowns on Marcus May. So he had a good year. Do I think he had like an all-pro, pro ball type of level safety? No, I think he was like an average safety this year. But for a um, second-round pick to be an average starting safety, we didn't get beat all the time. I think that's good. I think his his um, you know, projection or whatever is going to be way up there. But he'll be a really good player. He has to just key in on some keys and um, some different things. But he, yeah, there were some, definitely some hiccups this year. But I'll, I'll go with him as my number – as my not my number one or anything like that. But this is uh, my rookie of the year, and this is just a fill – and coming from deep here and the running back is cutting back. And if he doesn't get in on this tackle, look at that lane. So for him to, to shoot up from that deep and to get into, I don't know what gap it was. I wasn't looking the a gap and to fill into there and make that tackle one-on-one with Anderson, even though Anderson is coming from some traffic and spins around, uh, but still really nice tackle from, from him there. So he gets my number, my number, not my, I keep saying my number. He gets my rookie of the year. Sorry, I'm forgetting the awards we're doing while I'm trying to pull up yeah. all this freaking film. And in this play, too, again, this is probably this is probably one of his best plays of the year where uh, it's just an outside zone, a lead outside zone, and you see him right here, and he's sifting through all that traffic. He doesn't get over overly aggressive. He doesn't try to take on the fullback. He waits. He sees what, what lane the running back is going to cut through, and he fills in with, with Muhammad Wilkerson, actually. He makes a nice play here, too, but a uh, really nice play from him here, too, Glenn. Yeah, just you know, really good player, good all-around guy. Um, or you know, good, good all-around player. I um, I don't know. I I think the Jets, or the, I shouldn't say I think. Um, you know, during the all season, I I spoke with someone with the organization who said they they think that uh, 
you know, between, you know, the team took some heat for taking consecutive safeties, but the, the you know, they just kind of said, look, I, I think that they weren't expecting Jamal Adams to be there in the first round at six. So when he fell to them, they took him, but uh, they thought Marcus May, and it was just, you know, it was, it was their take on what they were hearing, but they basically said they thought Marcus May was always going to be the guy at round two if he was there. And it turned out he was. And thank goodness, finally broke that second round hex. If, you know, if Marcus May never has another good game in his life, he will be better than every second round pick they've had since David Harris. Like, that's how bad the second round picks have been. Um, Glenn trashing Stephen Hill's name over here. <laughs> I like Stephen Hill, man. I, not like I, I mean Stephen Hill the guy like I I talked to some people who who, who had a chance to work with him he looked like a praying were, mantis a praying mantis <laughs> yeah uh, that's the first like thing that comes to my mind when I think of Stephen Hill just the big praying mantis who can't catch the ball maybe, maybe it's because like the short I, little arms that, that they have where he doesn't reach up for the ball where he tries to body catch it like this that's maybe that's one. why I've never heard that one before, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, on, on this play too, just you see the versatility that both of the safeties were. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're not going to have you know Jamal Adams following the strong side or Marcus May following and, and dropping down to the strong side. Either way, that this um, wide receiver motions, uh, they just keep you know Jamal Adams drops down into the box and then Marcus May drops down into the box to keep rotating back and forth here, and then you see uh, Marcus May fill in the backside a gap and actually a b gap and make the tackle one-on-one with, with Ingram. So really nice year from, from both of the safeties. Yeah. So, yeah, he gets, he's my rookie of the year. So let's move on to the next award, Glenn. We're going to, to hold off on the rookies and going through each of their years. You know, we'll go through Adams, May, Stewart, Hanson, Leggett, Donahue, McGuire, Clark, and Derek Jones. We'll hold off on that next week because we both have some things to do. Um, and like I said, we'll spread out the topics as much as we possibly can, trust me. So – Let's go to most surprising player of the year. Um, again, touch on earlier, and I'll bring up again, Coney Ely. You know, uh, I, I expected a minimal impact when, when they picked him. I was glad because they needed a little bit of depth. You could look and see that he had some good games, you know, the huge game in the Super Bowl. So you figure, he had, you know, there had to be some ability there. Maybe they can cultivate that or, you know, get a little bit of that out of him. But uh, he came in, he was like, wow, this guy's just been from day one till the end of the season – just a, a, a very good player, um, better than I expected, and um, had some really good moments for them. So he was probably – if you would have said to me, you know, before the season started, how do you think this guy Ely's going to do? I I would have had no idea, but I would have probably said, you know, you know, uh, rotational role player, a couple sacks, that'll be about it. But he had himself a really nice season. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we'll go over – I'll go over him in a little bit too, which I'm not going to give it away. But – I'm going to go with McGuire and McGuire because I can admit it. I didn't think he was going to be a very good rookie. And you look at his, his stats, 86 rushes, 3.6 yards per carry, one touchdown, 17 receptions, 177 yards, one touchdown. People will scoff at that. That I'm saying he's the most surprising player. And it probably should have been Demario Davis, honestly, but I'm not going to give him multiple awards. So I'll give, I'll give it to um, McGuire, who on this play, in the passing game, he, he, he flashed more towards the end of the year, but just straight beats this linebacker with speed. Mm. Nice. Nice catch on the sideline. So he made a couple of these plays in the, in the passing game uh, where the linebacker just turns and runs way too late. But still, nice catch by Elijah McGuire. So he gets my um, most surprising player of the year, Glenn. Yeah, I was a little bit upset. Um, I, before the season started, I did five bold predictions. Um, I don't think any of them were right. Um, but, that, but that's why they're bold. 
You don't yeah. you don't pick the easy stuff. I think Josh McCown's going to have the most passing yards. You know, um, but uh, I said, and I'll I'll give you my logic here. I thought uh, I figured Palapau would get hurt at some point, and I expected Matt Forte to lose a step. So I said that because I did like Elijah McGuire. I said Elijah McGuire would lead the team in rushing yards. Um, as it turned out, everyone stayed healthy, and Matt Forte didn't lose a step. So Elijah McGuire was the third string guy all year. But uh, I wasn't surprised. I liked I liked what I saw from him. I wish the uh, the O line was a little bit better and gave him a little bit more room to work with. But hopefully that's something that's uh, in the coming years. Yeah, here you're just seeing Peter linebacker on an angle route. It's funny with those with those bold prediction things. Like you'll see people like bold prediction: the Jets will beat the Patriots this week. But if they don't play a fantastic game, they're going to lose. It's like okay, okay so that's, like, not, that's, that's not bold. It's not bold. Like obviously, like like you're saying that to like so it's just stupid. But um. I think I said Josh Martin would have seven or eight sacks, but I think that's he had just a dumb, back. dumb prediction. I'm no, it's not. No, it's not. The, the number of times, man, that he right there. It's like he's right there. <laughs> um, so let's move he had, on to he had at least three where he swiped his arm over and the quarterback ducked, and I was like, oh, my bold prediction. Ely had a couple of those too, definitely, where he got pretty close. He did. Uh, so did so did Leonard Williams. But let's move on to comeback player of the year, Glenn. Uh, I mean, probably a guy that can get it every couple of years, Morris Claiborne. He had himself a nice season. I think he only played six or seven games last year. Couldn't stay healthy. One of the many times throughout his career he couldn't stay healthy. So he stayed healthy, played at a eh level. He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. I mean, he had some good days. He, had, he did have some terrible days. But for the most part, stayed healthy, solid contributor, solid starter, um, not going to Canton, not going to the bench. Middle-of-the-road guy who's uh, – you know, again, coming off the season where he played, I think, six games. Yeah, so I can understand because if he played more, he because he, he played more, he impacted the team more. But like I said, I think we both agree he's a he's not a number one. He's a solid number two type yeah, of guy. Yeah. Uh, my number – or I keep saying that, Jesus. My comeback player of the year should be Demario Davis as well. He should just win all these awards. But I was going to say, it's Demario Davis, like, award. Yeah, comeback player of the year, it has to be. Like, yeah. if you're really doing it. But I'm going to go with Mike Pennell. Guy who got cut by the Packers for some, you know, he had some locker room problems, all this stuff, and to come in and play as well as he did towards the end of the year, I'll give it to him. I, I, I like him more than probably all the Jets fans I know. Uh, I know Kyle Smith likes him a lot. I know, obviously, you like him a lot as well, Glenn, but there's not a lot of people who talk about Mike Pennell uh, yeah. really at all. Moving on, missed this the uh, most disappointing player of the year. Do we even have to do this? Are you going to say James Carpenter? No, man. Mo, Mo Wilk. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about it. So, Mo Wilkerson gets it, and James Carpenter is my number two for that. Um, let's move yeah. on. Best play of the year, Glenn. And this is going to be – it's just harder for me because what happened was when I figured out how to do it on my computer, like record the plays, they're in files, so I can just search something on my computer, uh, and, it, and I can put it up on my, on my desktop right here, and I just pull it up. But with this stuff, I'm going to have to pull it up on Twitter for my old reviews. It's not going to be well, that I was, good quality. I, but. I, I, was, I was actually not, not – I kept my mouth shut, but you actually showed it earlier, man. The uh, the bomb touchdown pass to Robbie from Josh McCown where he rolls out, um, you know, resets himself, points Robbie deep. He breaks off his route, runs the nine, and beats the, beats the DB deep for a touchdown. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of things going on at once. It's a play breaking down, veteran quarterback realizing what's going on, the young receiver keeping an eye on the development and breaking it off to, uh, to go deep for the touchdown. A lot of good things happening there for a score. Yeah, I think I actually I, I didn't even think about that one. I didn't think about the one where Robbie Anderson actually beat the freaking two 
corners get that, the Panthers that was, too. That was my first thought was, oh, that Robbie catch and double coverage. And then I thought, no, what about the one where, where you know, McCown had to roll out and just kind of improvise and uh, send him downfield for the big score? Yeah, this is this is an older one, so it's not like the best quality where you can see I'm recording my my computer. I'm probably watching football back there. You can see my real TV, <laughs> my mirror. Um, but this this play from Coney Ely, I'll, I'll give it to him. The, the that that was that was another one. That was uh, I thought about I thought about that one. Yeah, where I don't, how does this play? Okay, there you go. Um, but yeah, to just get into the backfield to recognize that Bortles is about to throw the ball, get his hands up, and then have the awareness to see where the ball goes in the air and pick it off, and then almost run in for a touchdown all in the same play. Yeah. Hell of a freaking play from Coney Ely right there. So yeah, yeah that, that gets my best play of the year for um, from Coney Ely right there. So, and then next, Glenn, we'll go to. That's how I search it. So, like, so what I do is when I search this stuff, you go to you can search the at name and then Coney Ely Beast. So I looked this play up. I saw Coney Ely has been a beast. So I just typed in Coney Ely Beast and it pops up first. That's how you do Twitter searches. So if it, you're like, I know this guy said he sucks. It's like at AceFan23, uh, McCown sucks. And I'll show you all of his tweets with all those words combined in, in it. Um, but so let's go to your uh, worst play of the year, one. Um, is that on here? I didn't see that on the list. Oh, yeah. Sorry if I didn't say that. Uh, sorry. Worst play? Worst play of the year. What is the worst play? I can't, you know, I, I can't remember who it was against, but probably because it happened so often. Yeah. But I would say every single time Muhammad Wilkerson flopped onto his stomach and uh, and didn't try. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a ton of, if you want to just do that, you just you look up my, uh, the Jets, the Jets, you go on my Twitter Go to the moments, which is right here or whatever. If you have a phone, you can find moments. I'm pretty sure people aren't you know, dumb enough to do or not know how to get to moments, um, if you're on Twitter at least. And just go to the Patriots, like, week eight game uh, at home, and there's at least ten plays I put up there of him just, just being terrible uh, and just flopping. So let me see. This is this is my worst play there. The, the, the McCown – oh, geez. The McCown interception versus the Dolphins at the end of the game, Glenn? Yeah, that was rough. That was a pretty bad one. That that definitely deserves some consideration. Why can I not find this is the question, Glenn. Um, fill some time here if I can find this. Well, the, the play Joe was talking about here is a uh, the final play of the game for the Jets where they still they still had a chance to win the game. It looked like they were going to go into a two-minute offense. And what was it, the first or second play, I think, of the drive? And Josh McCown took the snap from under center. If not mistaken, he rolled slightly to his left and threw the ball right to an expecting defensive back, bringing the game to a close. And it was, uh, it was, it was a moment when all of the, the anti-McCown fans rejoiced. They swore that this was their proof positive. This was their Zabruder film that, uh, that Josh McCown was, in fact, Ryan Fitzpatrick because they are the only two quarterbacks who ever throw interceptions. I'm trying to see what coverage this is because I can't see the back side of the safeties. But regardless, it's a zone coverage, and you see this was McCain here. And McCain is in a curl-to-flat zone on the uh, field side, and McCown does get some pressure from where, where uh, whoever this is kind of pushes Beecham into the pocket, so McCown can't fully step into the throw. But when you're fighting for either overtime or to take the lead at the end of the game and win, and you're throwing an outside um, pass to it – was, it was curse, right? I believe so. Yeah, it was curse. It was curse on like an out uh, <laughs> comeback, and 
he just throws the ball right to Bob and McCain, who's in that curl of flat zone where, yeah, I can understand maybe if you're trying to make a play at the end of the game, you're down, you can try to throw that ball. Uh, maybe if he didn't get hit from this, it was a, I think it was a nine ticket to get pushed into the pocket where, he, where McCown can't step into the, to the throw. Maybe he makes that throw, but at that time of the game to take that risky of a throw was just the worst play of the year. And this is after the, the Dolphins come back 14 at the end of the first, uh, fourth quarter. And you're thinking, okay, well, maybe the Jets can drive or we'll go to overtime, try to try to win the game. But then this is just deflating. So I think this is the worst read and the worst play of, of the year for me, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it cost them a, an opportunity to come back and win a game. And a lot of fans were, you know, at the time and still, you know, not, not thrilled with the play. But, you know, let's face it, it was, uh, it was a season where McCallum played decent football, but he's not, uh, he's not an elite quarterback. He's going he's gonna to make throws like that. I mean, hell, even the elite quarterbacks make bad throws. But that one jumps out because it's kind of – it's that, you know, you're, you're kind of getting yourself revved up thinking here's our shot to come back and win this game. Yeah, time of the and game, yeah. And, 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 and the fact that it just – it's so sudden. You know, it's not, like, it's not like you were driving and there was a turn. It's like almost, almost as quickly as you're saying – Second, pl- second play, I think. Yeah, bef- before you're done saying we got a shot to win this game, the ball's being intercepted, and you're like, ah, you know, it's – Yeah, that that was up there. There, there could have definitely been a couple missed tackles from, like, Burris or Screen or something like that or a penalty or even the McCown fumble versus the Panthers where Keekley ran it back or the fumble on the swing pass to Powell where – Well, really, actually, you could say – actually – can I? I'm going to say you said penalty. The Mike Pennell penalty. Ah, yes. That that's got to be a candidate. Yeah, but, that's but but, that's but yeah. But let's move on from that. What's next? Yeah. What's next? The fastest. Who do you think is the fastest jet on the team? I think we're going to have the same one for this one. Yeah, it's got to be Robbie Anderson. You know, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, Robbie Anderson wins this. It's 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 pretty easy. I, I, mean, I really I, I really just did this for the slowest one because I think that's kind of funny. The only the only guy who might. And I could be wrong, and not, I mean, he's not very good anyway. But JoJo Natson probably give him a run for his money, no pun intended. But if he's not uh, if he's not returning a punt backward, I think running a straight line, JoJo Natson is probably pretty damn fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm still gonna go with Anderson. Now, Glenn, yeah. like I said, I did this probably for the next topic, which is the slowest jet relative. Like obviously, you can say Mike Pennell is the slowest jet. Like that's easy. But relative to their size, your expectation of how fast they're supposed to be, who is the slowest jet? Oh, oh, okay. See, I didn't look at it that way. I just said O-line. Like, I'm just always going to pick them to be slowest. Do you want to see who mine is, Glenn? And I think I you're, you're going to laugh. because. Okay. Think of it. Don't say Dakota Dozier. Nope. All right. All right. I'm just saying. Let's see. Slowest jet. <laughs> I got who you, um, let, let's say Eric Tomlinson. Nope. What? Who do you got? Right. Jermaine Curse. No way. Yeah, dude, oh, no. he, he's slow. That's not, he's not slow. That's just that's just poor, poor technique. With looking he's back, he's slow. <laughs> Glenn, he's a wide receiver and he has five yards on this guy almost, and he gets caught from behind because he starts looking back. You don't look. They teach you that in baseball. When you steal a base, you don't you don't peek and look at the catcher. He's looking back because he's slow and he knows he's going to get no, caught. No, he's not. It's poor, <laughs> it's poor it's poor uh, fundamentals. Just go. You can't I, you can't be slow and get 800 yards receiving in the NFL. Come on. Jericho Cotri's slow. No, he's not. Kelvin Benjamin's a decent receiver. He's slow. He's he's probably slow. 
Yeah, so you have receivers. But Kelvin, but yeah, Kelvin Benjamin's like six foot eleven. You can't run fast if you're six foot eleven. Okay, Antonio Gates for his position now is slow. Like they're slow. Jason Witten's slow. He's still a really good player. It's 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 technique and leverage and all this stuff. Like this play too. Like it's this happened multiple times where you're getting caught from behind. And if he's so fast, then on this play, which great, he breaks two tackles, which is fantastic. He gets caught from Thomas Davis, a linebacker. So. Okay, um, j- just so you know, his forty time, uh, blah blah blah, was seven years ago. Was four four three? Yeah, well, so was Stephen Hills, and he wasn't that fast. Yes, he was fast. He just couldn't catch the ball. He was fast. But you know what I'm saying? There's there's players who like they have great. I know. There's, 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 there's forty time. There, there's track time, and there's there's you know there's track speed, and there's game speed. So but, if he's a four four, then what is Thomas I, Davis a four three? I am not going to call a wide receiver the slowest guy in what the is, team. What is Thomas Davis's 40 time? If it's not a 4-3, then that 4-4 is a bullshit. Something got went wrong with that clock. Oh, because Thomas Davis? Yeah, look, Thomas Davis is right here on this play. He is what? If you had to say total yardage, he is two yards deep and probably five yards um, horizontally away from him. So it's a total of seven yards he has to make up. But and, Joe, what, and he gets caught. Because he's looking back. He's peaking. It's poor fundamentals. That's that speed. You know, you know who looks back? Tyreek Hill when he gives that peace sign, Glennon, and, and he's running away from people. Well, he does that when he's got – he's doing that to celebrate. Jermaine Curse is looking back to see who's going to gain on him. Because he's so slow. <laughs> he's not, 4-4-3 isn't slow. I don't, I don't, he, he does not run a 4-4 on the field. But, okay, regardless, slowest shot of the year. Jermaine Curse. <laughs> I would argue that James Carpenter is slower than Jermaine Curse. Relative that's, to size. That's just me. Okay, when you sent me the email, you didn't say you wanted the slowest jet relative you to know, size. You know we do. It's that's all about relativity. It is all about relativity. You know how we do this type of thing. Theory of relativity. It's the Einstein podcast. Okay. A couple of dumbasses. So this, we're going to give this away. Um, I'm going to give it away. The softest jet of the year, Muhammad Wilkerson. That's easy. He's soft. He's overrated. He's a bum. He's overpaid. We can give him all those topics. Goodbye. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go through that. He's the softest no. jet of the year. No. Now, Glenn, who do you think relative to size, strength, aggressive, the strongest, most like physical jet on the team? Okay. See you again. Now I have to, now I have to recalibrate. Relative to size, strongest jet on the team. Well, I could, I, why would I even bring that topic up if I can just say, "Oh, well, it's it's freaking James Carpenter or whoever." I, think I would. I well, I was going to say Mike Pennell because when you said strongest jet, I thought you meant strongest jet. There um, he is. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good call, man. Buster Screen, uh, give him all the shit you want for the, uh, the 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 penalties and the 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 blown coverages, but that dude hits like he. He makes a lot of tackles that you would not expect a man his size to be able to make. So that's why Buster Screen, say what you will, but that dude's got heart, and he he will not hesitate to stick his face in the fan, as they say. Yeah, Glenn, like 185 pounds, whatever he is, to throw his body at people like he does. And this is another play where poor cup lock, but jumps over a cup lock and just takes out um, Keenan Allen's legs. Like this, He's super, super aggressive. Um and super strong, especially for for he his plays, size. He plays much bigger than his weight in yeah, terms going, of in run support. I want to find that uh Buster screen. I'll, I'll on, let me find this real quick because this is I, I should have brought this up, but I didn't even think about it. Um, where he it's it's versus Saints. Let me just. Oh yeah, okay. So this is a let's see outside zone. I put so. Yeah, this is the play where he, remember this play where he where he comes into the line. 
where you see Xavier Cooper taking on two guys right here, and then Buster Screen, who's trying to get you know, crack blocked from, I think that's Willie Sneed, and he just sticks his head in there and takes on a, a 300-pound right guard and shoots Xavier Cooper free. Like, look, he's 180 pounds. Yeah. He took out two offensive linemen. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he's pound for pound. Probably the, yes. the, the yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, pound for pound. You, I, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, you you just you messaged me said strongest. You didn't say pound for. Sorry, pound. next time I'll be I'll be very specific because I thought we've been doing the show for almost two years together. You'd have an idea of what, of what I want you here. Pound for pound. Because you know, obviously, I wouldn't even make a topic if it was strongest yet. Yeah, you're gonna say Carpenter or Pennell or pound. whoever it may be, uh, but it's relative to size. Just like La- Lachlan Edwards, not speed. La- I should have put him in. Shout out to Lachlan Edwards for being breaking Jets records and stuff like that. So best punter of this of this decade for the Jets. Lachlan, Lachlan Edwards. Edwards. So, okay, well, let's move on, Glenn. Like I said, rookie reviews. We'll do that next next week. Um, we've already been doing the show for about two hours. You still have to do the picks. Um, so let me get to let me get to the other news. I don't want to um, fade away into the or into space, whatever. Uh, other news of the week: Rashad Robinson arrested on December fifteenth for possessing a marijuana-laced candy. He didn't appear for court on Monday. If he doesn't show up later this month, I don't know what the court date is, he will have a warrant out for his arrest, dumbass. Uh, the Jets traded a fifth-rounder for him. He didn't play well in that game against the Chiefs. Now, yep. he's, now he's getting arrested. He had a couple problems at LSU yep. with drugs and suspensions and this stuff, so he yep. might just be a bust because he's a freaking idiot and he has a chance to play in the NFL and he can't stop smoking weed. And it's not like, and we've said this before, where NFL players know, like from like I think it's like March until May, is that is that the time where they get tested? So they don't do it for those three months, like to get a month to get clean. They have let's let, let's let's call it the weed window. They have a weed window. During this window, month, you're allowed to smoke eight, weed. An eight month weed window, and, and the weed and I, window, and they they can't they can't take it easy for a few months and not smoke weed or eat weed in this case, eat candy weed. Um, it's, just like, it's, it's ridiculous too because like I said March till May whatever three months and uh, for most of the guys they're really elite athletes they can burn off weed because it sticks to your fat cells so if you're a guy like in the NFL like 193% body fat 5% no probably not three because three break all your freaking bones but like five six seven like really good body fat percentages all muscle that 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 burns off you quick so there's a four-month period where you just don't smoke and in those eight months smoke all you want um, but if you, if you do get tested and you fail, you actually have to fail like two or three times to be suspended for it. And then you're tested like every month. So if you fail once you're screwed, you can't really do it anymore. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Glenn, he's probably going to, he's, he, uh, we'll see if he's even on the team next year, Rashad Robinson. I think he will be just because of the fact that they're so thin at corner. And, and they traded a fifth round draft pick as well. So, you, gotta, you know, give me a year. Yeah. So, and other news, um, Jeremy Langford, uh, signed to a future reserve contract. He'll, he'll be in, in. You know, he might get cut. He might be in training camp. You never know. But yeah, yeah, he got not not big news. Glenn, we got a question from Rich at Rich Jets. I'm not going to hit on this too much. We already kind of talked about it. He just said, yeah, just looking to see what positions will be addressed via free agency. We we they still have to do their meetings, which they they've done probably a lot of them. Their free agency or their pro football um, free agency meetings. Uh, they still have to see who's available. They see if they still have to see who's franchise tag. They still have to see who's getting too big of contracts. They still have to review some film. So they can address a lot of stuff. They can get a quarterback. They can get Kirk Cousins. They can get a running back. They can get a number one or not even number one, an X wide receiver. I like to call it. It's better than number one, an X wide receiver. They can get 
a supplemental uh, role player outside linebacker or defensive lineman. They can get two corners. They can get a backup safety. They can get so much stuff right now. I haven't really looked into it. The Jets are very thin on a lot of part of their rosters. I don't really know what they're going to get in free agency. We haven't even got into it yet. So, Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the obvious thing is, is, is the Kirk Cousins, you know, will they, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're obviously going to make a push for him, but will, will they get him? I think you got to look at Jensen from Baltimore as a, an option at center, <clears throat> whether or not that'll happen remains to be seen. But um, w- one of the more interesting names that, uh, you know, I was g- going through the list of, uh, of pending free agents the other day. And uh, let me see. I'm looking for the list right now. You're just so unprepared, Glenn. It's just out of control. No, no, I'm unprepared. My, uh, my, uh, no, I'm kidding. My, no, my, my, confu- my computer just froze up on me. Um, Cause you're in stupid England. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that has much to do with it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, see. so, like I said, just in terms of free agency, it's hard to like. You can okay, Jensen. That, that, sorry, that's who I was thinking of because we were talking earlier about whether or not James Carpenter will like be let go. Um, I'm I'm sure he'll get franchised, but uh, Andrew Norwell from the Panthers, left guard, who you know, sort of the last couple of years has been off the charts good, and uh, you know, looking, I I haven't had you know I haven't had a ton of time on my hands lately, but I watched a little bit of film on him earlier in the week. Um, read some scouting, not scouting reports, but some uh, some some people predicting what would happen with him because he was so phenomenal the last couple of seasons. Some people think he'll get franchise tag, but uh, if you can get Norwell uh, away from the Panthers as a free agent, and you let go of James Carpenter, like that's that's a huge upgrade to the O line, um, to the interior. And if you get you can get Jensen and Norwell, your O line problems are just about fixed. If yeah, you, that's what I'm saying. So basically, look at the needs of the Jets. Look at Kirk Cousins and Tyrod and Bradford and all these guys. Look at some supplemental running backs. Uh, number one, like Allen Robinson, maybe a Dante Moncrief. Look at look at Tremaine Johnson, like these type of guys. So look at you know corner, maybe a middle linebacker, maybe a, a role player, defensive end. There's so much stuff that can happen. We'll we'll get into that more. Um, but Rich, obviously, we appreciate the question. Uh, big fan of the show. We we really do appreciate him. So let's get into the picks. Uh, I know you have to go study or something like that. And I, you know, have to do stuff as well, unfortunately. Homework. Homework. Um, so Glenn, last week we picked the playoff games. You had a bad week. Uh, so you went one and three. You were 52 and, and 28. You are now 53 and 31. I went three and one. Uh, now I'm 53 and 31 as well. So uh, we both picked the Chiefs who choked. They absolutely choked versus the Titans. Just How, I don't, okay, I didn't watch that game because of the time difference here. Yeah. What, what in the world happened? Why, why the hell am I reading that uh, Alex, Smith's, run- Alex Smith's number one target was injured? and They didn't they, run the ball. They, they did not run the ball. They abandoned the running game. They were like, hey, our top receiver is out. Let's throw the ball like crazy. Like yep. what? What is it with Andy Reid, man? I, Joe, we say it all the time, man. We're fans, right? Like coaches, these guys know a trillion times more than us. But it brings you back. Definitely, to the, definitely a trillion times more than you. Yeah. It it brings you back to the Super Bowl <laughs> last year, and it makes you think of this year. Like you have these huge leads, and you abandon the run. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? It's so dumb. The Falcons was worse, obviously, up 28-3, to three, and you mm-hmm. don't run the ball at all. And then you're in field goal range, like, close out the game, and you, and you throw a pass and get sacked, like, the dumb. 
But yeah, angry. They're up. I think what twenty one to three, twenty one to seven. Twenty one three. They didn't run the ball at all in the second half. I think they it ran the ball like eight times in the second half or something like that. And you have Cream Hunt, who's a good running back. So yeah. it was just it was it was beyond me. Your best your best targets out. You don't run the ball. You 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 give the Titans plenty of time to. Um, to get back in the game. And did you see that play, by the way, with Marcus Mariota throwing him touchdown pass himself? That, by the way, if you look at that, that was an illegal forward pass. He was past the line of scrimmage. See, I, I saw that mentioned a couple times, but I think the uh, – what was it? The the NFL or Dean Blandino – somebody Blandino or somebody said, like, he was he was behind the oh, line. Oh, yeah. That's what freaking refs do. They'll always stick – even it's the worst call in the world. If you no, no, no. He, the Blandino's gone. He's, Dean Blandino's yes, gone. but he was wasn't he the one who also agreed with the Austin Safarian Jenkins ruling that one time too, where he said, "Oh, well, Austin Safarian Jenkins, the fumble with the Patriots." He said that it wasn't on the second uh, one. The right. first one, I thought Peraria and Blandino both said, but but e- either way, they where I saw it broken down, they said he was just behind the line. But if maybe maybe line. maybe if it was the like the technical one where the screen one is a little, it's not the real line where it's pretty close though. Mm-hmm. But he 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 was a half a step over the the line of scrimmage. Um, so when I watched, I was like, oh, it's going to be called back. He was past it. But you obviously can't review it, review it because of a penalty. So they're not going to come back and say, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm sure, right. he, I'm so, I'm sure he still gets paid by the NFL in some way. But uh, No, I mean, he's paid by whichever network he works for to critique the refs. He actually ripped them for a call last week. I forget which yeah. one. Well, go back and watch it um, again. I don't know how they broke it down. But from the angle I watched, at least on TV. Really I actually saw, did you see over. the meme with uh, Giselle and uh, – Mariota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the so the so the Chiefs choked to the Titans, twenty-two uh, to twenty-one. The Titans won. The next game, you took the Rams. You thought we're going to the Super Bowl, or maybe we're going to the Super Bowl versus the Falcons. And I picked the underdog and the Falcons on the road. Yeah. The Falcons whooped the Rams' ass, twenty-six to thirteen. Yeah, the Falcons have just been too inconsistent for me to stick with them this year. Me, yeah, me too. I was nervous about it, but I was thinking like, okay, the, the Rams don't have a lot of players with playoff experience. The, yeah, the Falcons have been there. If there's an yeah. upset this week, that's what it's going to be, even though the Titans had an upset too. But yeah, Falcons beat them um, pretty badly. The, the Rams just did not look good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, next game, probably the most exciting game of the week, the Jaguars beat the Bills 10-3, to which is the game you got right. Or no, no, you picked the Bills. No, yeah, I went back. I went back. I yeah. And I said it's going to be close. I, I said like 51-49. Like I couldn't really pick. I think I went back and forth. And uh, it all came down to I, – I felt like I felt like both teams had really good defenses. Jaguars better. But uh, I thought Tyrod versus a good defense versus Bortles. I, basically, it came down to I like Tyrod better than I like Bortles. Um, and they were both facing a really good defense, so I went with the Bills. But – yeah, the Bills. Now the Bills have a good, like a good defense. That's why I pick the the, the uh, Jaguars. I think the Bills have a good defense, but I think if the Jags, like as they get more mature and they add a couple pieces, they can be like number one defense, like the Seahawks type of defense. Or the you know what makes me mad about when I look at the Jags, though, the Jags are what like the 2009, 2010 Jets should have been. The Jet problem is the Jets had Mark. As much as people rip Blake Bortles, the Jets had Mark freaking Sanchez. Yeah, but he was beyond bad this game. Glenn. He missed so he many passes. He, he missed was, at least there, there's at least five passes that were five yards away, and he just sailed the ball. I'm talking about during the year though. He wasn't 12 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. This year. No, no, he was better Mark than Sanchez that. Sanchez was. He was yeah, he was better than that. But the Jets also had a better offensive line and running game than I think the Jaguars did, or they definitely did. They were number one and number one. So. Right. Um, okay, but let's let's move on. That was a terrible game. Really, just didn't look good at all. Uh, but moving on, we both picked this: the, the Saints versus the Panthers, who won thirty-one to twenty-six. Pretty good game. 
Um, the Panthers had a chance to come back, and then that they concussion with Newton, man. That's some that's some bull. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, but you have, I think, who got that sack to end the game? Was it Cameron Jordan or whoever? I think it was. But maybe it was one of the last sacks. But that was a, that was a really good game, probably the best game of the week because the, the Chiefs-Titans game was probably up there too. But just the fact that I picked the Chiefs, we both did, and they choked it away, which is frustrating. So now there's no chance for me to go back and get double the wins and losses gone. We're out of that. Uh, where if we won that Chiefs game, we would have been 34 and 30 with what – uh, seven games left to go. So, but now we don't have a shot. So, hmm. moving on to this week, let's uh, pick these games. The first game of the week, Saturday at four thirty, the eleven and six Falcons. This is including playoff records. So, oh, they didn't play seventeen games this year in the regular. Uh, I know that. The eleven and six Falcons versus the thirteen and three Eagles, who are coming off the bye week. Give me the Falcons. I love that Eagles defense, but I just I can't take. I can't take Nick Foles to beat Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to I'm going to agree with that just because of of that reason, Glenn, just because it's Nick Foles. Obviously, if it was, if it was Wentz, I'm going to I would I would take the um Eagles. I can see the Eagles even winning this game though, too. If 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 Matt Ryan that, kind of that, does what he does That they're at home, that defense is good enough that you force a couple turnovers, you can win a game. So, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles win, but Jay uh Jahi, Bond, they have some good Running yeah, backs when you, too. When you, uh, when you boil it down to, um, you know, especially postseason, and unfortunately, this is why the Jets never have a chance, even when they make it to the postseason. Teams are good, and you just boil it down to the quarterbacks. And I'm like, I'm taking, I'm taking Matt Ryan over Nick Foles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm gonna do the same. Um, but I, I could see the Eagles winning this, this game being the upset of the week type of game. Next game that night on um, Saturday. At eight o'clock, the ten and seven Titans at the thirteen and three Patriots. Go ahead, Glenn, pick the Titans. The friggin' Patriots. Yeah, um, Patriots are going to destroy the Titans in this game. I, uh, I don't see how it can be close, but you never know. Uh, by the way, by the, not to interrupt, but since we're talking uh, about the uh, the Patriots, if you're not a member of the uh, the forum, if you're not a member of Jet Nation on the forums. Um, joining this week, just to look at the thread started by uh, Max Mann, who runs Jet Nation, he, he publicly shared a, an email that was sent to him. I'm sure it was like an email bot or something. <laughs> it like sent Jet Nation an email that was like, hey, we see that you retweeted um, a, a video of like Tom Brady's workout routine. Let us know if you want any more information that you're your members would be interested in. And yeah, I, don't, I, 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 I just, I just he, have a feeling that Bill Belichick's not going to leave the Patriots because of a personal trainer, but I don't think that's the only reason he's leaving because of, of Jimmy Garoppolo. But, but the reply was classic. The reply was like, I can't think of anything. My members would want to see less than Tom Brady's jazzercise routine, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was a great reply to an yeah. incredibly stupid email. Yeah. I don't think Bill Belichick's leaving. I really don't. I think he has it pretty much made in, in new England. Um, yeah but he he's so comfortable there i don't know and and a lot of people talking about the the giants if he goes from the patriots to the giants without brady if he before brady he was he was hanging on to his job by a thread yeah but brady brady's not going to be around he's not gonna be around for for much much longer maybe another year or two brady's 
He can play 17 more seasons, Joe. I don't know, man. I saw him watch. I, I see him miss a lot of throws when I watch him play now. He does he definitely doesn't have as much as he used to. He's still smart, but just like Peyton Manning, you can't make the throws. You can't make the throws. I, 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 I mostly agree with you, but there's that part of me that's like, Bill Belichick probably has the biggest ego in the world, and his owner told him, you're going to trade this guy, like it or not. I'm stepping in and dictating personnel moves. And I think Belichick, Belichick is like, oh, now you're in charge. Now now yeah. Bob Kraft, the businessman, is in charge of football operations. Yeah, I could, I could, I, I could, see, it. I could see it a little bit, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I doubt it, but I wouldn't say it's completely out you know, outlandish. But that's why I, like, I had like a family party this weekend and, you know, on Saturday and we're watching the games and a couple of Giants fans were like, do you think, you know, what, what do you think if uh, Belichick comes back to the Giants where he like started it all? I was like, if he goes to the Giants after the Patriots, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going on Twitter. I'm bleeding my Facebook. I am going to be. I, I honestly, dude, I honestly, if, as long as he leaves the division, I would be thrilled. Go to uh, the Giants. I don't care. You're in England. You don't talk to Giants fans. I'm in New Jersey. It's different for me. I didn't talk to Giants fans when I lived in New York. Why would I talk to Giants? Because fans? you lived in in Southern New Jersey, so you're talking to Eagles fans. Those inconsiderate bastards. No, dude, I'm from New York City. I was raised in New York City. Oh, true. I don't talk to uh, Giants fans. Eh. Um. So let's. They're they're almost as bad as Mets fans, Joe. Or, de- or I, I don't have I have devils. This is a cl- these are classy guys. Um, Mets fans, yeah, they're I can understand why people don't like Mets fans at times. But the next game, Glenn, the first game of Sunday at one o'clock, the eleven and set and six Jaguars at the thirteen and three Steelers. Man, I want I I really want to say give me the Jags in an upset, no. but but Blake Bortles has not beaten the Steelers. No, I can't see it. Again, coming down to the quarterbacks, Big Ben versus, you know, that guy. <laughs> it's just if if you're Mr. Score Mr. Like, eighty-seven yards rushing. Yeah, but they, Bortles they, is not beating them. Yeah, he he was terrible. He missed like five, six, seven, eight throws in that game. Where he just again, if, if if the Jaguars defense comes out like maniacs and they force like five, six turnovers, fine. Like well, they did the first time when they played the Steelers, though. Right. But it's the playoffs now. Now it's big boy football. Um, I had a lot of people say that to me, like, oh, well, you know, looking at what happened the first time, but that was the playoffs. It doesn't happen a lot to, to Ben Roethlisberger, even if he's getting a little bit older. And probably if he wins the Super Bowl this year, which I don't think he will, probably will ride off um, into the sunset with that Super Bowl yeah. ring because he's been flirting with you know, retiring for probably two, two, three years now. But, yeah, I just don't see a team who scored 10 points versus the Bills. They have a, they have a solid defense, but if you put up 10, 13, 17 points versus the Steelers team in the playoffs – uh, Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell and all these guys, there's no way. I just don't see the Jaguars. Maybe it could be a little bit close, but I see the Steelers winning this pretty um, easily. Now this game is – the next game is the best game of the week. This one's really, really hard to pick one. Uh, Sunday at 440, the 12-5 Saints at the 13-3 and Vikings. This is going to be a fantastic game. Give me the Saints – down the, the Vikings are good though. The Vikings, the Vikings are freaking good. Like I'm, good, good. You know, I'm I'm taking the Saints. Give me the Saints. It's so hard to pick because because this is what you say. Okay, Case Keenum versus Drew Brees, and Case Keenum I'll has no playoff experience. I, I know we don't want to get into this, but what what do you think of Case Keenum? As a free, he, he's how old is he? Lon? I don't. He's not that old. He's only in the league like five years. 
if you're bringing Case Keenum and you're drafting uh, Baker Mayfield or someone, a first-round quarterback, you want to make them compete it out, yeah, fine. But if you're bringing in him and then you draft the guy in the third, fourth round and, and he's your guy, I'll lose my, my shit. I am. It's just – No, he can't, yeah. yeah. So if you're drafting a first-round quarterback, sure, Case Keenum. But other than that, it's just unacceptable. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you're taking New Orleans. I don't know. I really – this is hard because it's playoff time. We're down to the wire. We're tied up. Case Keenum, but they're in Minnesota. Can you imagine Minnesota playing their home stadium in the Super Bowl? Uh, first time ever that would happen. That would be crazy. Ah, uh, man. I'm taking Minnesota at home. Their, their defense is fantastic. I don't know what their rankings is, but um, to me, I think Jaguars are number one. I think Minnesota is number two defense in the league. They are fantastic. Uh, they can stop the run game very well. They create turnovers. Uh, Rhodes is an underrated cornerback, a very, very good player. Good Daniel, player. Daniel Hunter, Everson Gripton, all those guys are just monsters. Uh, Case Game is playing ridiculously well. I'm going to take Minnesota at home. It's, it's going to be a really, really, really good game, Glenn. So, to recap, we both picked the Falcons. We both picked the Patriots. We both picked the Steelers. I took Minnesota in Minnesota versus Saints, and Glenn took the uh, Saints in that game. Um, Glenn, final thoughts before we close out? Uh, going to Dublin on February 24th. Cannot wait. It's been too long. Looking forward to Temple Bar, having a few drinks. That's about it. Me too. I can't wait for you to send me my plane ticket. It's going to be fun. Um, but no, actually, in, in three weeks, I told Glenn this, and I guess we'll tell people now, but I'm going to the police academy again. So I'm going to basically be waking up at 3 a.m. and be home at 6 a.m. And then I have to come home, shine my boots, shave my head, and iron my stuff. So I only have like two hours to, to do anything. So I'm probably only, we're only going to be doing like 45-minute to an hour shows uh, for the next like three, four months at the end of January, because I'm just, I'm just way too freaking busy. And then we'll kick off a lot more like two, three hour shows again in, in the, you know, end of May type of thing. Maybe, maybe we'll have a multiple episodes for the draft or maybe Glenn will do a solo one or whatever it may be, but yeah, I'm going to be busy. So our shows in a couple of weeks for, for a decent amount of time, but we appreciate everybody for listening. I'm not going to be as informed. I can't be on Twitter looking at stuff and researching things. So oh, come on, Joe. No way. Dude, the Academy, if I pull my phone out, I would, they would literally make me shit, pick it up off the floor, make it eat it. Like they have Marine drill instructors in the Academy. You can't do anything. You fall asleep. They're making you do bear crawls. You do that. Like they put lipstick on dudes. Like it's crazy. Um, All so, right. Well, I will, I will be partying in Dublin with, uh, with what, our, day is that, Glenn? what J- January or no, February, February 24th. I'll be uh, meeting with our uh, no fly zone buddies uh, or at least, uh, Ian's going to be out there, and I believe one of our regular listeners from Dublin, who, if I'm not mistaken, left us a review a while back, Ray O'Connor, really good guy. Uh, he's a, a fan of the show and a, a friend of, of I don't Ian. think he left a review. I, I haven't seen it, unless he put on a different username. But uh. Yeah, he, yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, either way, meeting up with those two in Dublin, maybe some more folks if uh, anybody listening wants to join us. And uh, I've, I've not been out to Dublin in many years, so I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah. So like I said, go on YouTube, uh, subscribe, watch it on there. If you can, obviously I understand if you're going to the gym, whatever, driving in the car and you want to listen to the show, but YouTube, it's very advantageous to you to be able to watch what we're talking about and the plays that we don't even mention that are up in the background. It really helps um, the people, you know, learn, or even if they are a film junkie, you'd like just watching and say, Oh yeah, I recognize that. Or, Oh, you didn't call out that, whatever. Um, So go on YouTube, watch that. Or just like I said, leave us a review. Uh, rating on the podcast app even if you just leave a rating you literally just search in jet nation you click on our show you hit five star and then that's it if, but if you want to leave a review we'd appreciate that even even more 
uh, we'll be back next Wednesday at, at 6 p.m. And we appreciate everybody for listening.